If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. All the girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either going to win or I'm Welcome gonna die. to the Winners Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And this week was really good, Joe. It's pretty good. This is our coverage of season 41 of Survivor, episode five, The Strategist or the Loyalist, which makes me think like American Revolutionary War, like the Loyalist. Yeah, like <laughs> I feel like Loyalist is uh, like it means obviously being loyal, but I feel like it just has like a different connotation um yeah and i was kind of hunting for this title because i didn't know where it exactly it came from in the episode but like shan says it yeah. like in regards of course to ricard or genie and i the spelling in the title is with an i so it's like loyalist like the revolutionary war but i i think she almost meant it like the most loyal the loyalist like with an e because oh yeah no i think you're right <laughs> i i really think you are right and did the actual episode guide say loyalist like revolution? With the eye, yeah. Huh? It's, it's not like that's like, I mean, maybe Jeannie definitely was playing a very honest game, but it wasn't like her strategy could be boiled down to this like title of loyalist. Yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, yeah, when I watched this, I was watching it with um, some friends and they they loved this line. They were like all for it. Like, and right then I was like, oh, I bet that's the episode title just because of like, they immediately were like, oh, that's very poignant and like interesting. So um, mm -hmm. I think they picked good. Um, I'm surprised Shan doesn't have all the episode titles to be honest. Um, <laughs> she was outstanding in this episode, Joe. Like I, I don't know. I really think that no matter what happens in this season, she could leave next. And I really think that Shan's proven herself as not only one of the like best first time survivor players ever, but also just one of the, one of the very best survivor characters of all time. And maybe that's hyperbole. Maybe that's a little dramatic, but I really think she is the real deal. I think she is everything we expected preseason and more like mm -hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. I kind of feel maybe there's a there's a version of this where they don't the production doesn't give her the time that she deserves and she doesn't shine as much as she does but they really have treated her nicely for whatever reason whether that's just a compelling pre-merge character or the winner and yeah i think she has shown herself to be just a good character obviously excels at the game making it to the final two of a tribe without getting any votes um just stellar stellar play yeah i think that honestly i was living for this episode like i think last week was a little better i think overall but this one was like kind of what i've been kind of banging the drum on for a long time because i think the first three episodes i don't think were super hot like i don't think they were super great um and these last two have been really good and i think in those first th three weeks a lot of people were like we need more character moments and i think i was really banging the drum of like no i think we actually need to see why these people like each other what the actual relationships are like we need to see more game and i think this week kind of showed why that's good like, I, I think before we knew Ricard was, like, a really good strategist, but I think we were really only told that. Whereas in this episode, I think we got to see 
this really awesome nuanced look into how Ricard views the game. And to me, he's been like a pretty good character, but not like S tier. And this mm-hmm. episode to me recontextualized everything we've seen from him so far to be like, oh, he's amazing as well. Like, I think that you're probably right. I think there's a version of the season where maybe he gets what Shan's getting in a version where, uh, and she gets what he's getting and, and, and then our current reality. But I think either way, those two are unbelievable. He was giving me so much Todd Herzog vibes in this episode. It, it was unreal. And I think this is probably what Todd kind of looks like if maybe he doesn't go on to win. But it's kind of wild that they're both flight attendants, which I didn't realize till after. I was telling, like, kind of being like, oh my god, like, he's 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 Todd. Uh, <laughs> loved it. Yeah, I think one of the things that contributed to really showing these characters was this sort of... We, we have not seen in Modern Survivor a tribe get down this far to just having three people and there is this sort of weird strategy at play where you're actively telling the two other people like alternate plans so like and they acknowledge it they're like shan is telling ricard to vote genie and genie to vote ricard and everyone else is doing the same thing and i think that makes for really interesting sort of backs and forth because you know everyone is playing and especially the whole advantage situation between ricard and shan was such an such an interesting little bit to watch because they both knew like the logic of their arguments but they knew to convince the other they'd have to tap into like other forms of rhetoric like oh emotionally and like and then ricard would call out shan on being like you're just saying that because of this and you did this exactly it was just amazing to watch yeah like that that scene construction was unbelievable that scene like i think that the episode did a really good job because i think it would be easy to see that as like two people fighting But really, I think it did a good job of being like, these are two top caliber players with different incentives in this moment. And this is kind of a uh, like battle of diplomacy. They're not against each other. It's who's going to win more from this Mm -hmm. moment. And I thought that was really, really cool. Um, And massive credit to the editors for being able to construct something that wouldn't, I think, be... Like, this isn't a gimme of a scene. I think oftentimes you see this sort of scene come off disjointed and confusing. Uh, I think we flagged a couple of those in 40 with Ben. I remember there's a scene with Ben and Sarah at one point that we we were like... This doesn't make any sense. Like, the construction of the scene doesn't make sense. We're not following what's happening. This was great. Like, this whole post-tribal stuff, I think, was really, really, really good. Really juicy. And, yeah, I think that there's just a... um, Yeah, like, there's, there's value in just showing us what happens in an interesting game. Like, most of the audience is there watching the show because they do like the game of Survivor. Crazy, right? (laughs) Um, and getting to see two people who are really good at it, um, kind of just do kind of something kind of basic, you know, like, I think everybody kind of knew Genie was leaving, but there's still the dramatic intrigue because it's, how do you get to that destination? That's actually really, really interesting and captivating. So I, I can't say enough positive things about this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, they put that in a really smart place, too, where it did build up this sort of drama that if you had been, which we have been told all season, that Shannon and Ricard are so close, so obviously it's going to be Genie, but to do that right before they went, really, I mean... 
that's what they're going to do. But they built up the drama to maybe give you a chance being like, oh, maybe this will go a different way than you think. But yeah, I also think the scene between Tiffany and Xander, where you're getting all of Tiffany's reactions to the camera is very astute to include because, I mean, it's gutsy on Tiffany's part. She could have caught out so quick. But that's what I was thinking. I'm like, how brave do you have to be to make those faces at the camera? Like, your game could end there. You know what I mean? Like, that's you're playing a great, you're playing a perfect game. You're Kim Spradlin and you make one like eye roll face to the camera and they see it you're done but yeah it added so much more character to that scene because yeah it was one thing for tiffany to be like i'm obviously playing this up i've known this for many days now but to see tiffany like live reacting to xander's reveal and then his lies was very fun also i this episode with that scene made me have so much buyer's remorse because flashback what three weeks ago uh one young dan uh former past dan me uh came into the episode and was like i think tiffany's a whole lot smarter than everybody online in the show presenting i think she's faking dumb on the beach and she's actually really in tune with the game i wish i stuck by myself because i i kind of chickened out the week after when it kind of showed maybe she wasn't perfect i think i was right i think tiffany's a really good player and is very smart and is a very like capable strategist and has this like added bonus of like being really good at playing dumb a little bit uh on the beach and i really wish i would have doubled down there but love to see that as well i think i think my read still on tiffany is that she does have some savviness like some common sense like wits about her i don't know if she's like student of the game master strategist like Ricard level but yeah definitely knows her position to an extent and can play that up in places I do think sort of you see the flaw with her so blatantly (laughs) reacting to the camera like she she's a little rough around the edges in terms of strategy but definitely a very interesting character to watch not someone I feel like we've seen before definitely yeah like I think that moment shows you everything you need to know about uh Tiffany as a character and that's why it's so good because, uh, yeah, like you learn that not only is she better than she comes off to the people on the beach, she has this giant fatal flaw of maybe being a little bit too earnest. And <laughs> both those things all wrapped up in one awesome. I think we got so much um, development on so many characters in this episode. I think that's its real strength. Like we're saying with Ricard, like we're saying with Tiffany. Um, I think that's also true uh, for Nasir. I think that's true mm-hmm. for Liana. I think that's true for Sydney. I think we're getting a lot of clarity on who these people actually are. Like who they are as a person, not what their backstory is or anything like that. But like how they think and view the world we're seeing. And that's awesome to see. Yeah, and done in all sorts of interesting ways. Like one of the things that perplexed me going into the rewatch was Sydney's scene as this like mermaid who provides her a tribe. And it's still very interesting to talk about. But that's like just a tiny moment. You have, of course, Nasir's flashback, which is, I think, a brilliant way to reveal that and sort of give payoff to this bizarre idol they've included. Yeah, honestly, that moment was, and I think this has been talked about a lot on the Reddits, on, uh, on social media in general, but 
just how like my heart like dropped joe when it was like uh you know uh you have shan jump in and then ricard's doing a good job talking about the broccoli like kind of covering like oh she's a vegan everything's a food for her and then i i'm like aha silly fools and then the seer oh like like the way my heart like dropped was hard to describe and like a shock i haven't had in survivor in a long time Mm -hmm, for sure just i don't know i kind of felt like maybe there was some something about it earlier in the episode that was gonna have this happen but it was just handled so perfectly Um, and it helps that this year's scene afterwards was so powerful like um i i really think that this year is just like an absolute amazing character and i feel like he's the one we were the most wrong on preseason i think neither of us were like super high on him but he's so cool and i just want to see him on screen more and more Mm -hmm. that is we at least see more of him going forward and finding a real place in the storyline because we're Definitely. still in what what do you do with Livu stage, but that seems yep. like that might be ending. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's that's very interesting. Um, and, and so for all the positives, I think we're going to be saying throughout this episode. To me, there is one giant elephant in the room lingering over this entire episode, and that was the knowledge is power advantage. Which Joe, I don't know what you think about it we didn't talk about beforehand um so i'm actually not even sure what you're gonna think but joe i truly think this might be the worst advantage in the history of survivor like i think this is i I, it's this or edge of extinction i think fighting there at the very bottom of all terrible things uh for me um and yeah like i feel like the editors did an amazing job the narrative direction was great the production on the ground in this season is still very dodgy. Yeah, I I think I agree on that front. There's just this clutter of advantages that don't fit neatly with one another. Regardless of whether they're good or bad for the game, there's a sense to make it so that it makes for interesting game choices. And instead, you just have all these sort of like banging up against one another and not not making those interesting choices. I'm fine with this advantage. (laughs) I think it's I, I get sort of I see a lot of people being like, oh, how can you force people to tell the truth in a game about lying? But it's It's not so much doing that as sort of... I think rewarding people who can read each other well, because I think it was confirmed later on that the advantage can only be used during tribal. So it's not like out on the ground, they can be like, I need you to tell the truth, this, this, this. Um, It is sort of rewarding that. That being said, it's in a season where there are public idols, um, which is, yeah, it doesn't work well with that. And it makes it almost too easy to use. Um, I'd love for like Liana or whomever this ends up in the hands of, because it just seems like idols or advantages switch hands so easily this season whoever uses it to like use it in a very sneaky way and like um get it from someone who doesn't have one of these public idols or for like the public idol holders to know about it and like have their idol switch hands so that they can't take it like there are there is potential for it i like it i think the problem with this advantage isn't the advantage itself it's the season of twists and advantages that surround it see you've almost like okay you've convinced me it's you're right i think the fundamental flaw with it this season is that it like again it, it really feels like they didn't think this through overall like it's it's like they have all these i it really feels like they just had like um mm-hmm. 
the worst COVID excitement to like get out there and just do everything. And they didn't really like plan like, oh, how does that work with that? You know, like, cause yeah, like why this season? Why now? Why, why the season where you know it's going to be relatively public who has the idols? Like, mm. if the idol holders were told, and there's a, a bandit who can steal your stuff, like, I'd get it maybe a little bit more. But yeah, I have some major issues with, like, mandating telling the truth. But also, like, what's the fun moment of this? It's like, I, I guess the, the fun... So my brain immediately went to, like, all of our criticism of the idol nullifier, which is just, like the the biggest buzzkill advantage where scrappy kelly wentworth uh is gonna idle out andrew savage and this great moment and then it's like oh the idol doesn't work this fun moment is robbed right like that's mm-hmm. all this gave me was oh and then the majority has the idol now too it's like not only did they er- eradicate kelly wentworth but now they have uh her idol <laughs> like that's where my brain went immediately and where i think this will get played but I guess you could think of a situation where Liana's in danger and no and is going to get voted out and knows Xander has it and then and steals it that way. That could be a little interesting, I guess. Yeah, I definitely think a quick production side fix to this is to do this first and then the three-way public idol because then there's some encouragement not to be so willing to share everything and I mean, I don't know how you're ever going to get past those those lines they have to say at Tribal Council with this. But, but yeah, I think switching the order would definitely help in that. Yeah. And then I know I've seen it compared to the idol nullifier as well. And I'm trying to think of it like in the context of where the idol nullifiers were played, like if it works better. I think it's a bit more of a scene to see like Dean have to ask Janet for the idol. I mean, then you're like, your drama is all before the vote entirely, which is strange, but I don't know. Right, I think at five it's less bad, but like, imagine Janet leaves at six instead. Dean takes her idol and is then just has an idol at five. Like, that's where my brain goes. It's like, that's not fun. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes with just advantages we've seen, the problem is that because it's not been in the game before, there's not this expectation that it can happen. Yeah. And then for other people, it does really feel like a raw deal when they're like, oh, someone could have stole your advantage this whole time. And yep, and they did it and you're gone. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah, like uh, Dan Rankering, right? And uh, yeah. like, that's where I like, it's just like, imagine being Dan and then like, like his, uh, last words or like whoever even heard of this like i did nothing wrong and he was right like the mm-hmm. poor dude did nothing wrong he played optimally and just left it was like haha you didn't expect a thing that you couldn't have possibly expected but yeah you're right i think there might be some interesting nuanced play three seasons from now with people passing idols and stuff but like whoever Leon steals this from is not gonna be like darn wish i would have done that they would be like i feel robbed yeah i guess there is maybe an interesting idea here where if your advantage gets stolen you're probably in the best place to play the shot in the dark because yeah but that's also that's still a one in six chance and nobody wants to play those yet so honestly and like i kind of am loving for like how shan contextualized that of like well if you play it you know you're kind of showing people 
you don't trust them. Uh, I loved that. I think that's uh, really, really clever. Yeah, that's um, true. I guess one note on Shan here, and just the music in general. The music this week was beautiful. When Ua loses, there's this like, like beautiful chorus almost playing in the background. I think the Survivor music department, the composers, are back in full swing. Like I feel like there's a couple seasons in a row. Uh, at uh, yes, I am adding the uh, "Winners That War" song, <laughs> um, where like they were a little tacky, but I think they're back in a spot where it's really good. Like we got the Shan song playing in the background just without um having to reintroduce it uh we got mm-hmm. that like awesome swelling at the challenge loss uh there's i think a lot of really uh i thought um sydney's uh mermaid scene had like a really nice yeah. sound behind it as well that's the one i was thinking of it was like a standout piece compared to other stuff so yeah no, like, I think they're really killing it this year um, on the music department. And that really does add a lot. Like, I don't know, like, I, I think it's difficult to articulate just how interesting and fascinating it is that you can have Shan doing her own thing, like, being schemy, and you know she's lying in a scene because they're playing her song that we've been told, like... That, like, I love that it's actually rewarding us for paying attention, right? Like, mm-hmm. sure, they introduced it, like, what, two or three times? But still, now they can play it in the future and in this episode to immediately change how we are visualizing a scene. Um, change how the audience perceives a conversation between Shan and Jeannie to Shan's lying to her just from some music cues. That's brilliant. I love it. Obviously requires a lot of front-end work um, in the story, but with a character like Shan, like, it's worth it. Like, knowing when she's lying, when she's not, like, without her having to, like, let her say more interesting stuff than I'm lying right now or I'm not. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. That was really nice to see it used without prompting a very interesting arrangement of it where I was like literally thinking it was like oh my gosh they had to like figure out those notes and then like harmonize them and that just seems so complicated I don't know how composers do it but I mean that's the whole show too is so much of like we've described like clown music in the past or other motifs that they use and it's all this very I think underrated part of the show that adds a lot I think Mm -hmm. it's sort of and it's like an antithesis to like like, what do you do if you have a laugh track comedy that doesn't have the laugh track? Like, without its music, I think Survivor would be a lot flatter. And I feel like we've noticed scenes where there's no music and it feels so awkward. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a bit of intention to that. But you definitely notice when it's not there, but you might not notice when it is there. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, yeah, like, they are really so good. Like, obviously, like, Ancient Voices is is a banger. Um <laughs> But, like, I I think that song gets a lot of credit and then not so much the other ones. But, like, Mm -hmm. they do such a good job and... Yeah, especially this episode. Like, I just, like, was clapping at my camera, uh, at my TV. It was so good. Um, And I just got some awesome new, like, surround sound stuff. And, like, I, game changer for sure. Um, <laughs> Definitely watch Survivor with whatever your best audio setup is, because they do a really great job with the mixing. Um, There is one moment relevant to audio editing that was a little weird. Um, I caught a very strange audio splice and one of Nasir's confessionals where he's talking about, uh, this is like music to my ears or whatever, like that confessional mm-hmm. is like a super Frankenstein monster <laughs> of a clip. Like 
he's clearly not saying that sentence um and yeah that's that's uh i don't know what that means but they really wanted him to say uh like that you know this is all like music to my i don't think they got him to say ear like i don't he says something else he says sound or something it's like music to my sound and it's a weird chop no idea what's going on there but hmm. yeah yeah i'd be curious to listen to that again and see what it actually sounds like i know i noticed i it was sort of a i wasn't sure if i just didn't see the scene right but i feel like there was a scene with tiffany where the words did not match her lips but it was like as she was turning away from the camera to the camera and so i figured it could be something weird there but it always gotta be on watch for that i think it was edge of extinction that had some really um in the spirit of halloween like frankenstein together (laughs) like yeah i think the the classic ones that kelly wentworth uh shout out to kelly wentworth for getting multiple mentions here when she's like i hate rick devins and i want (laughs) him to leave Mm -hmm. (laughs) like wait a minute (laughs) something weird's going on there um for the most part i think they like i i usually like i often like i edit audio all the time for the show for work everything um so i think i'm more likely to catch those kind of things than the average viewer but i feel like most of the time i am seeing a ton of them in a season whereas this season i actually do think for the most part it's been it's been better on that front like there's less like weird chopping so mm-hmm. new era <laughs> or speaking of a new just era better characters yeah i think it, like having good narrators like yeah. this is a good cast that isn't like tripping over their words i think that's where you usually see it is you know they can't say a sentence without going on a on a tangent or whatever um so yeah no i think that's that's probably part of it mm-hmm. i guess speaking of a new era joe what is going on with this next time on like it's not something i usually pay too much attention to but they're merging but not really like wh- where's your head at i don't know because the implication also is that it's something they've never done before so after 40 seasons it's like what haven't they done like we've we had the fake merge in season five like things have been done i'm thinking like maybe like just a tribe swap into tribes of four which is wild and if that happens i feel like i'll have lots of thoughts you'll probably have lots of thoughts because that's that's a really interesting play space for like just the survivor game at large like having small tribes, especially swap small tribes. Um, I also think they could do two tribes of six, but that feels like something they've definitely done before. So I don't know. I mean, uh, Joe, I feel like in our extensive history viewing the show, we've seen a number of times where they'll say something like never been seen before. And you're like, um, yes, we've seen that before many (laughs) times. So I guess uh, let's go with like, Joe, do you think this is, actually something we have never seen before or is it like a slight reskin to something we've seen before i'm willing to be optimistic and say it's something we've never seen before and if it happens and we can find like one other season where this exact sort of swap or configuration happens then i will concede defeat but I think I think it is truly something that they've not done before. Which, like, you talking about how they say that reminded me of during this very episode. Jeff, during the tribal council, is like, this is a strange situation where the person you vote out doesn't actually matter because they're not going to jury. And I'm like, isn't that every pre-merge vote, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, like, I think we've kind of flagged this, and I think Jeff is the greatest reality host of all time. I really think this is by far his worst season. 
Uh, like, obviously, there's the one episode where, like, you know, he's had, like, a scratchy voice. That's not his fault, but he said some, he said some weird stuff, I feel like, this season. Just, anytime he's getting a chance, he's, like, you're so, like, he, he just feels a little off this season. I think there were some seasons during the teens, apparently, where he, like, really phoned it in and was, like, just not giving 100, like, this season, he's giving, like, 150% to, like, yeah. his detriment. It's, like, too much. <laughs> yeah he's like coming off a little cringy i think is the issue yeah no and like yeah like there's the there's seasons in uh in the teens where he just doesn't show up to challenges right like um and they just self-narrate their own challenge <laughs> um good old times uh yeah i guess okay let's let's do a fun game uh Joe, do you think we will enter next week <laughs> loving hating or being indifferent to whatever this event is hmm. i think i think honestly i'm at a point where i want just a standard merge of these tribes i think yeah the split of how things are now like luvu standing strong but not really and then you've got a tribe of two that's decimated their whole tribe and then like this group of like four on yasa i think that's a really interesting group and i'm kind of sad we're not just seeing a standard merge so in a way i think i'm already disappointed but i'm also kind of excited to see like three tribes of four like that's wild to me that's very like online survivor game which i think some people would be like no that's bad but for me that's like i guess if you're gonna be wild and out of control production (laughs) go all the way then yeah i'm like so conflicted there because one if they do three tribes of four and there's all these stinking extra votes around they're like basically tribes of what seven like there's (laughs) everybody's got two extra votes it seems like um that'll be a absolute disaster i feel like in terms of narrative like maybe that's why we got what i still think is one of the worst episodes of survivor ever episode three where they're just like they've got one they've got one they've got one um maybe it's to set up (laughs) a completely incomprehensible um like advantage get in at the final 12 Mm -hmm. never know that's an interesting to think about episode three because it's not a big episode for either luvu or yasa like it's almost just by like all you need to do is give time to ua because the advantages get found there and they go to tribal council so just sort of a wasted episode (laughs) yeah like that episode's aged so bad like considering how good the next two ones were but Mm -hmm. like i don't know maybe maybe we needed just an episode where everything just like made me be like why am i watching this show to <laughs> fall back in love with it i guess mm-hmm. um yeah i think uh, i think just based on how i am i'll probably hate whatever they do next week but uh <laughs> <laughs> gonna try to be open-minded uh i, I would be kind of cool with like if they're doing something weird like messing with like i don't know maybe they vote two people or they do some sort of like twisty twist i think maybe i'd be okay with that i don't want to see three chaps of four um i saw some um thought process that maybe it would be something like a one world situation like two tribes of six but it's one world mm. and like one on one hand we've definitely seen that before <laughs> but on the other hand uh, there's actually a season called that but um maybe swapping into one world is something we haven't seen before yeah yeah that would be definitely interesting i i think i'd like to see that where all these people are together which wait we did have 
I guess it was like certain people got immunity in Fiji, but it wasn't technically two tribes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. I I thought about maybe like a bunch of people get immunity and like yeah. it's left to like I don't know three or four people up for the vote. Yeah, maybe it's Big Brother. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Julie Chen Moonves. It's a BB takeover. Um, (laughs) From what? Big Brother 17? Yeah. Yeah, happened two times or something. Uh, (laughs) It could be the newest uh, incarnation in the BB takeover. Um, Tough as nails takeover. That's my favorite show for the first three minutes I watch every week. I know, right? I feel like, <laughs> when are we going to start our Tough as Nails spin-off podcast? Because I, like, see, yeah. like, it just comes on, and I'm like, okay, what's happening on Tough as Nails? And I mean, it looks dedicated to its premise. It's not the most fascinating thing, but yeah, they see they seem <laughs> they seem like tough people. Gotta they give seem them tough. that. Yeah, like I usually am. Like I'll watch up until the first commercial break, uh, and then I'm like, eh, I'm gonna go do something else. But I'll see you next week, tough as nails. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, <laughs> that brings us here. I guess any other general thoughts here on the episode, Joe? I guess with that, uh, that brings us to the themes and stories of this season. Uh, where we try to figure out what exactly is this story they're trying to tell us. Uh, Joe, I think this was a big episode for this stuff. I think um, many characters um, are kind of just like looking at the camera lens and giving their perspective on the themes we've sort of laid out. Um, I'm pretty happy with what uh, what we've laid out here. Yeah, it was a very... This episode didn't really bring anything new to the forefront in terms of our big, big stories, but in a way that's good because the editing's being committed to that and getting the characters to hit the right beats and say, hey, this is what the season's about. So, so I guess what what is this season about? Well, I think number one um, is, is Dangers and Risk. We've talked about this every week. Um, it seemed like the premiere was all about different people's perspectives on dangers and risk. And we've seen that just sort of uh, take on its own own life throughout the season. I think um, a big part of that this week uh, that I really want to touch on is in episode one, uh, we have multiple characters talk about a prisoner's dilemma. We see what is technically not a prisoner's dilemma, but is actually a hawk dove game uh, in episode one and onward, I suppose. Um, but what I think is very interesting is would I be wrong in saying that the Ricard and Shan scene we've been talking about is a textbook prisoner's dilemma? Mm, like, what? I think that that scene where it's, I guess, it, I mean, okay, it's again, this, it might be a um turtle dove game or something i don't know but uh it's it's a similar premise right it's uh ricard is like well if i give you my uh steal a vote you actually have no reason to keep me then chance but i need insurance from you uh and they're basically playing a game of chicken of they both need insurance from the other person um if and i guess there's no actual mechanic to steal but it's, it's, it's the conversation version of it, right? This episode presents the decision to blindside or to not blindside the corresponding person as a little bit of a prisoner's dilemma. And I think, I, I don't know if this is going to be the case moving forward, but I think we need to give credit to an awesome setup that we actually didn't see coming, but I think was really well handled in this episode. It might be a little bit of a checkbox on that little motif that we've been following. Or maybe we'll continue to see this uh, exploration of two people having different incentives, but still wanting to work together, uh, but maybe not. Yeah, I think that maybe gets more at it, because 
thinking about whether Ricard and Shan's uh, interaction here was a prisoner's dilemma, I think I sort of look at him like, mm, not all the pieces are there. I mean, I don't want to be like the prescriptive, like, this is what this type of game is. But I think technically, no. I think what it does mean is with the so-called, quote-unquote, prisoner's dilemmas that we've had before... And this here, the editing is very much looking at these situations of like hard choices. And not only that, but like what is going into each side's decision making. Like they let us stew on every moment of like why Ricard wanted to do what he did or why Shan wanted the advantage back. Like they very much explored that. Whereas, I mean, you could imagine it just as the simpler version we got in brad's boot episode where jd just gives it to shan um but i think they're willing to explore things like this whether it's through the actual mechanics of the game in the summit twist or situations like this so i would expect to see more stuff like this in the future um sort of going with that hard choices theme and very much danger and risk because those are involved in all of these choices so far yes i mean the episode title is literally a discussion of risk right uh shan says it's like literally to the camera says yeah uh this this right here is about risk and i think that it's yeah i I actually really love this approach i think we saw it also early on uh with tiffany when tiffany gives that confessional where she's like yeah i'm not going anywhere they might think i am but i'm not i'm here they're doing way more like i think a very similar confessional in this episode was ricard saying right from the get-go yeah i'm gonna go talk to genie i'm going to convince her that i'm voting shan and i'm not we're gonna me and shan's actual primary directive is to trick genie here that's what you're gonna mm-hmm. see boom contextualizes the rest of everything that happens really good stuff i really hope they take this approach because anecdotally i was talking to some of my friends and they were really surprised by genie leaving i wasn't personally but i think that uh enough people i talked to were like oh my god that was a crazy crazy tribal that it shows they can just put through uh like tell us what happened uh give us the actual information and then throw a little bit of uh disruption in there of other people's motives to see if it sticks right like will Mm -hmm. the plan stick is an interesting enough question for an episode yeah i feel like they definitely did the work here to turn this three tribe vote out into a sort of dilemma where you could very clearly see oh each party has to do this thing where they're saying to the other that the other person is going to go and yeah they very showed all sides of that and like what the stakes were and why you could be lying and why not and i think we've seen in past seasons where the edit has come off very not one note exactly but almost bland because they're either not exploring these or maybe the cast wasn't just giving that sort of perspective but i think a lot of times the cast is And they just choose to sort of cut that off in favor of a more streamlined this or that decision. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think exploring a lot of the nuance behind it really helps. And like here. Absolutely agree there. And I think we also see this kind of play off in an interesting way. And Luvu, right? We see another instance of Deshaun being like, we need to throw. Like this is, it's a risk to not throw is kind of Deshaun's viewpoint, right? Like, we are the big six group. Uh, Danny is like, well, all the men are getting voted out. This is clearly an issue. To not act is actually a risk in this situation. 
Um, I love that they're exploring that idea because I really think more people lose the game of Survivor by not proactively preparing for the worst than going too fast. Like, I think that's an unexplored theme for the most part is the player who just kind of waits for their time to come. In my opinion, that's a whole lot, like, the same level of bad as flaming out i don't think there's a meaningful difference there and i love that the show is kind of exploring like maybe they should have thrown it's kind of what i'm getting is maybe the intention but i'm not sure where your head's at there joe i think as we get apparently closer to luvu as it is not mattering whether that's because of a merge or swap or whatever my brain is always trying to be like so what was their goal with this tribe that never went to tribal like what were they doing and i think where i highlighted sort of last week they were sort of cycling through all these like typical pre-merge sort of options and now that sort of concluded with let's form an alliance on the basis of gender like um i think they were just exploring all these different options and being like hey here's different ways tribes work and weird curiosities like how that twists and turns and um why you might go for one person over another so so yeah i think even in the luvu tribe which we might at first consider under edited and kind of the way it was treated serving as a detriment to the season i think there is some interesting bits in the little that we did get about what yeah. choices could have been made that just never had to be made. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think another part here is we like part of this is um kind of like the survivalist theme. Like we see obviously Jeannie say nobody's gonna tie the fire. Um and I, I think we see that with Sydney, right? With the with the mermaid scene. Right. Uh, we do see, again, a more of a focus here on carrying uh, for uh, actual moment, like uh, the actual like living on the beach. What's interesting is it looks like all the providers are getting voted out. So mm-hmm. I don't know how meaningful that is is going to be uh other than maybe in an ironic way yeah it's interesting to almost see nasir and sydney switch places here where sydney's content is all about providing and surviving whereas nasir is now he's involved in the conversation with danny and deshaun he finds the idol like it seems like it's swapping there whereas he might have been seen as a survivalist he's now the strategist yeah no that's uh very interesting for sure um and i think we all like we obviously see xander make a risk telling tiffany um about his idol um doesn't pay off um but yeah like i I think it's everywhere here and again i i really think that this is going to be the primary theme of the season moving forward uh and it really is a story about risk like i think uh, the five seasons from now when we look back at the season much in the way uh, that triple h is a story about secrets or um survivor china is about uh ups- uh unseating alpha males like i think that you see multiple of these seasons kind of get boiled down to like one theme and i think that this one's gonna be a story about risk um and the uh less uh, immediately clear versions of risk like like i mentioned with the the die like how shan contextualizes to genie that rolling the die is a risk it's a hail mary but it's also conceding that you don't trust other people around you. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting idea of the 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 snowballs that taking a risk can start pushing down a hill. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's just an interesting choice too for her to say that about um, the shot in the dark because it's 
it's such a smart way to put it to discourage someone not to use it. But for the editors to show that means that's definitely something they want to present as as a valid part of using the shot in the dark. It says it says that like you don't trust who's around you. And and yeah, it can discourage or encourage you to use it. So the other interesting thing is so the the central question is the strategist or the loyalist. And I think we leave this with Shan basically giving like if you were to kind of yada yada her explanation for why she did it, it's well, Jeannie's too honest actually. And you need somebody who's able to help you. So, like, Shan seems more acutely aware that Ricard's more likely to turn on her. Mm -hmm. She still sees that as more valuable than just a number. And I think that's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, the way at the summit, Shan was very much like, if things, if I'm not here on day 12, it is because of Ricard. Yeah. And then for Ricard to stay, like, I thought that was like, oh, maybe this is Shan's going. This is what everyone was talking about. And then it didn't happen, which is in some ways even more interesting because like what does that mean going forward i guess we didn't even really touch on that like shan and liana have met and that sort of definitely helps to contextualize where the story has been going so far but yeah very interesting choice for sure for sure um speaking of which uh we have our idea of what survivor means to people i think this is best summed up by jeff probst actually saying I love strategy in the game, but the most important thing is when somebody is vulnerable and lets us watch. I think that um, was here big time in that Shan and Liana scene, um, especially the uh, idea of it's not about who you trust, but who trusts you. Mm-hmm. I think that is a beautiful way to describe social politics, right? It's It doesn't really matter how much you like somebody in the social game. As weird as it is, Survivor gets described as a social game all the time, but it's actually more about winning other people's loyalty. It's about winning friends and influencing people more than it is about like liking people, right? Like I think a social game is kind of the wrong word so- almost, right? Like you want people to like you, not that, not necessarily, or, or to trust you, not even necessarily like you. I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know that I disagree that social game isn't a wrong word for that, though. Like, I don't know, maybe it's it's weird to describe society as that, but society is about, like, not necessarily getting people to trust you as the one and only goal, but reading people and definitely understanding what they're seeing in you, what they want from you, what their motivations are, and then you make decisions based on for- informed on that. And, like, part of that is trusting people, part of that's not trusting people. So I think that is sort of accurate to society and I think social games still very much holds true it's just that I think we want to be like oh I trust this person like that's a very active way to look about it when instead it's almost what you have done to make people trust you yeah yeah so yeah definitely very present here um and it sort of hovers over ricard and shan's discussion as well is because it doesn't matter to either of them that that person trusts the other like they need them to trust like it's it's a very interesting like and just the way you can say trust like I trust you but what does that really mean like it's so easy yeah. to say does it actually matter though it is really about like who you know trusts you yeah absolutely and I think that's the thing um that also is huge right so um I think with this theme of showing who you actually are with liana and shan um shan says that she spent days with ricard and genie and she doesn't think she's had any moments uh with them like that uh she meets liana 
and they have this moment about with her that lasts three hours and she says that tells you that connections are so much bigger than just the time you spend with someone i think that's so uh emblematic about what this season's about like and kind of speaks to what i was saying last week of like yeah, we know Shan and Ricard are close, but not why. Um, and there's no, like, like we don't see them laughing together or, mm. or crying together. It's like a business relationship. Like, they're business partners. And we see here, Shan puts that in words. Like, there's something about Liana that's different. Uh, that all my time with these people will never connect in the way that me and Liana did in three hours. I think that's awesome. Like, and I think really spoiler alert for my contenders really speaks to where this season's going but um yeah i just uh yeah can't get over how much this theme really is all over this thing and i think also bringing in nasir talking about his daughter uh and how she hides the idols for him and that for him survivor is this amazing thing where anything new can happen Mm -hmm. yeah he sort of highlighted all all of our themes in his in his flashback there that worked really nicely where it was like yeah there's something new about survivor it's a new era but in a way it's never been more survivor it's not easy um you gotta do a lot of work and yeah it was about who I really am, like working with my my own daughter to get this. So it was just like bam, 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 bam. So it was like it literally felt like he watched our show. Like like <laughs> like it was uncanny. I was watching the show and it, he literally just like and it's like it has like a filter on it too, right? Like it's like it has like because mm-hmm. it's a flashback. It's just like he's literally just saying to the camera, it's like okay, appendices one. The first theme Joe and Dan talk about every week. Next, I will... Like, it it was really, really bizarre, um, but pretty good. And I think relevant to that is the idea of, like, the sacrifices that need to be made, right? Um, We see the idea... We kind of intertwined in here, like, the idea of working hard. Um, We've seen practice something over and over again, and you get better at it. Like, we see Deshaun trying to make fire and failing, and the seer being like, well, soon he's going to be really good at making fire. Um, And that sort of idea. Um, Nasir says that his daughter made him find them on a daily basis, and she's going to be really proud of him. Why, Joe? Because that training worked out Mm -hmm. i was like oh my god like it's literally this um only way to not fail is uh, the only way to fail is to not give 100 percent effort like it's it's all about not giving up just like there's so much of that like almost blue collar tribe from season 30 going on here this season yeah i mean having this year be integrated into the idea of throwing the challenge like whether that's a good idea or not it builds on that idea because i've talked about how that was interesting how that got juxtaposed heather's moment did with danny and deshaun wanting to throw the challenge and here to have nasir say oh i definitely want to do don't want to do that like that's not that's not giving her effort is is i think interesting and how it also plays against how throwing the challenge or not throwing the challenge is in itself a risk like they're too they're conflicting at this point but i think that's okay because i think it's not been proven necessarily that throwing the challenge won't work out for nasir but Mm -hmm. It might be the downfall of like Danny or Deshaun himself. 
Sal for no. other stuff. Yeah, so. I think I'm now on the page where I think Danny and Deshaun are kind of our early merge villains. Um, it's kind of where I'm starting to lean, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I really think that this is huge. Like, I think it's like it's important to take a risk um, when you need to, and with that, you need to be willing to show who you actually are, be vulnerable, and never give up. I think that's going to be to the the basic summary of our winner. They're, they're going to make a big risk. They are at some point. Uh, but overall, they're going to be a friendly, likable person uh, mm-hmm. who works really hard. So with that said, I am still all aboard my... We are going to see a... This is a why, why someone lost season. And we're going to get a... Again, I don't want to say a bad winner, like, but like I think we're leaning more to a Michelle than we are a Parvati. You know, like, I guess that's where I'll go. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to add to summing up the themes. I think the idea is that the risk itself will take some sort of effort, is maybe the framing, because it's very easy to say, like, throwing a challenge is a risk, but it's one of effortlessness, like effortlessness in a bad way. Um, so I think that's a, a way that it could be framed here. And Vanessa, speaking to your point about the winner, like, I, I definitely see it. I think another way to put it, rather than why someone lost is there is a big hurdle to overcome. Mm-hmm. Like someone who is so clearly far and away the front runner that they then unseat and make it to the end. Um, I think both of those are possible, and the the characters that we have build into those narratives in interesting ways. So I'm not entirely sure that the season is going that way yet, but I definitely see so, the options for it. I'm gonna call. I I've been debating when to call my shot here on something that I think is gonna happen. Uh, I'm gonna do it now. Okay. I let's call this hot. Take conspiracy corner. Joe, I am convinced Liana is gonna take Shan's idol and is going to be the reason Shan leaves the game. Hmm. I'm like so sold on this. Uh Liana says it's not about who you trust in the game, it's about who trusts you. From the moment my feet hit the sand on this beach, I've been playing an individual game. Uh, I see something in Shan. Um, it was mutual, so my individual game changes into the merge. I'm going to risk it. I think that's what we're seeing. I think we see over and over again, Liana's a little bit more self-interested than the people around her think she is. Uh, I think that's what we're going to see. That's my... Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be Xander. I think she's going to steal Shans. That is bold. I I could see it, but I think my rebuttal hot take would be if she does that, A, it's later in the game, like finale, and B, neither Shan nor Leon are the winner. Because I don't think I could see... I feel like that would turn the tide against Liana so much for her to unseat Shan that way. Like, I think it would be a different person. So, I don't know. I think I'm still on board the train. Like, she literally said, I don't trust Xander, and I'm going to use that to take out his idol. So, I think that's still the likely choice, but I'm kind of here for that. That would be a wild moment. (laughs) Yeah, that's where my brain was going. I was like, oh, it's all about, like, you can't... Like, it's who they actually are. And who Liana keeps telling us she actually is, is self-interested. Um, and I, I'm really, like, I have Shan still fairly high, but I'm so convinced she is, she is Jeremy, and Abby is, I think it's Josh Canfield. I think we are looking at, um, San Juan Del Sur. I really do think this is San Juan Del Sur. Um, and we'll, we'll see who the Natalie is, is the thing. That's a hard <laughs> thing to track. 
I have a couple different theories, but yeah, no, that's uh and one thing I think is interesting is uh you flagged this is the idea early on like there's been a decent amount of mention i think of like women not getting credit in the end what do you think what what was your thoughts on this theme joe i think i mean i think it came up with sydney's mermaid scene like i said earlier that's sort of a scene that I, when i after i watched it was like what were the editors doing like all of a sudden the camera flashes to sydney for like a minute and she's like i'm a mermaid i'm providing for the tribe but i think part of it is contributing to this idea that women are seen as a certain way in survivor and so flipping that and making her the provider whether that's doing more like towards the story that providers aren't lasting long but it's also contributing to this where women can sort of take on a different role in the game um yeah i think that continues to be interesting as most of my contenders and most of the bigger players in the game are women so it's bewildering to me that this would be another case of survivor building up this theme just for the sake of showing how important it is only to have another male winner like i would be truly puzzled if that happened again and like i i i survivor but um yeah definitely something that they're still they're still wanting to keep in our attention yeah and i also think there might be something to them building up how hard this season is um we do see people like sydney be providers we see shan be compared to his name is nathan i think um yeah like I, I think that's the thing is like they are i think consciously assigning more women like provider role and i think that's awesome i really think they need to do that more because i do think survivor sometimes has kind of a little bit of a misogynistic tinge to it a little bit um both obviously in like the jury vote situations like uh there's only been what like a couple times where a woman has beat a man in the end um it's not very common anyway mm-hmm. uh obviously tina uh there's a couple others um but overall like it's just not a, a common or prevalent thing at all you see a whole lot more women zero vote finalists that sort of thing yeah. um and yeah I, I i like that they're actively trying to combat this i just really hope it's not a david versus goliath thing where it's like ha ha and that's why she lost because yeah like uh, let's hope they don't go down that route uh hopefully mm-hmm. this really is a, a new era and they're not going to be, like, just kind of co-opting, like, th- these kind of ideas just to kind of laugh at the person saying them, um, like they did in David vs. Goliath. So, hopefully that's not the case. I have optimism that, uh, based on the fact that I think every power player in this season is a woman, that we will see this be treated more seriously. Yeah, for sure. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I think the only, like, I think we're officially retiring our young people haven't done so well, let's switch it up theme. I think we're getting an old winner. And by old, I think it's important to note, I don't mean old, I mean not young, I guess. Uh, We see Liana say, wait, Shan, you're so much, uh, like, you seem so much younger than I would have expected. Um, And in a way that kind of contextualizes Shan as older, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, We have Tiffany, literally, like, mom over Xander. Like, Xander gets clowned on in this episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really think it speaks very, very poorly for all the young folks. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I don't think it's, like, blatantly out there. Well, also, like, Liana herself is very young, so... I don't think she's been... Like, I don't think anyone said she's really young, though. That's true. It's never been highlighted, so... I think, wasn't there a scene, like, in the 
beginning where it's, oh no it was uh sarah and jd uh, not liana yeah. and xander but huh yeah you're right it hasn't been attributed to her so we'll see she's yeah. younger than xander but i don't think you would know that from this mm -hmm. yeah um yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't think it's like a doom sentence for young people, but I do think there's like a maturity. Like, in general, I, I think there's the whole blue collar vibe going on. Like, I yeah. think if uh, somebody randomly came out here uh, and was like, the winner of the season is going to be on this mat. Like, I don't think you'd be super surprised or anything. Like, I think that fits right here, right in there with the whole storytelling of Worlds Apart, honestly. I think it's, it's pretty close. Um, and yeah, I think it's interesting. I guess let's jump to the castaways. Um, cause Joe, there's something weird going on here with the Yasa tribe. Um, they've been like, they said that they were the underdog tribe, right? They are mm -hmm. the little turtle trying to climb out of the hole. Um, they all seem to be having their own like inner turmoil. They're all worried. Um, they are double the size of another tribe. <laughs> Um, like, I feel like at a certain point, like, you're no longer the underdog, right? Like... Yeah, and I mean, they've won both of the past two challenges. Like, even when Luvu wasn't trying to throw this time, they... They went ahead and won it. So very intriguing that they're framed as the underdogs. Um, I don't know. I keep like getting weird like Yasa complex tribe vibes. I think we're kind of back and forth on that. Yeah. But I think I, I, this is my hot take. Um, I guess because we should address this before we get too much into these tribes. Um, complex tribe. I think, and again, like I this I've been saying this all season, but there's something weird going on here. I think this season is actually going to be about how an instant connection is more meaningful than time. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, r changes how you have to view complex tribe theory. Um, yeah, I, I, that's where I'm going because, yeah, like, Shannon Liana is a more complex and interesting dynamic than Shannon Ricard. Uh, no matter how much complexity they try to throw on it, et cetera, et cetera, like, that's more, more of a complex relationship from this one episode, right? I think that even Evie and Deshaun is more complex than some of these relationships have been. So I think that's my take away is that I'm going to be still viewing through that lens, but with a heavy, heavy dose of skepticism um, on what it means, because I, I, I do think that like Lulu's making up half this game. Um, and a lot of their stories are, they were in danger at one point. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see an alliance that actually is authentically cross-tribal. Um, Strike Force-esque uh, in David vs. Goliath. Yeah, I think, because I've always been a bit of, like, complex tribe skeptic. I think what's happening here is, with Luvu, you have someone, or a tribe that's so, like, clearly not the complex tribe. Like, there's nothing complex happening between people there. And then, ooh, uh, maybe the winner is from there, but what do you do with a complex tribe that gets down to two people? Like, it's hard to really crisp that. So I think Yasa just sort of stands out as the one that has some complexity to it that's not decimated. <laughs> so I think that's why I'm sort of leaning towards Yasa now, but it also doesn't feel wholly right in that it's very much like three of them, three-fourths of them are complex, and there's one very very simply placed person so yeah no i agree and that's the thing is so i'm still going to be viewing it under that lens i agree i think gun to my head i think we were a little bit too maybe cavalier with changing to ua because they're going down to two um it's hard because shan is so complex and then it's everybody else not so much um 
but yeah, I mean, I, I think that what we're going to see, I think we're seeing a cross tribal alliance. Um, yeah, I think I think that's going to be the key. So let's jump here in Yasa. Um, and we start with Evie. Evie is not in this episode a whole lot, but like I, <laughs> I don't know what to do with Evie. I they care about them and they want them to be a, a big character. But, like, if you're looking at this, and it's, like I've been saying, a Sanwon Del Sur situation in, in Evie's Josh, like, I feel like Evie is certainly losing to Shan, if that's the setup, right? It's almost to the point where, like, Evie cannot be the Josh that we thought they could be those first two episodes. I think, I don't know, definitely a weird character to look at now because I think we went from episode two to episode three with them where it was that like hard crash, like not a well-timed cooldown, like they froze. Um, But recontextualizing episode three as a sort of wash and as an episode really devoted to advantages and Brad and Ua sort of starting to crumble. From that point afterward, Evie does have this like cooldown where they're not front and center. It's interesting. They don't feel like a winner to me right now but you're right the edit cares about them so much like clearly that they're still sort of hovering around the top for me yeah like I think I'm so I've been so red flagged by like the that episode three that it's gonna be hard to build up again. But I don't know. Maybe there is something to it where Evie Evie lasts a lot longer than maybe we were thinking. Yeah, I'm so like I have like I think Evie is my biggest question mark. Bigger than Erica, bigger than Heather. Because it's, mm-hmm. it is weird. Like, they literally gave Evie in, like, 40-minute time slot one week. Like, <laughs> it was absurd. And I still feel a little Evied out. Um, Despite, they haven't been on the show in three weeks, really. Like, they have been. They've gotten their little scene every week. Um, But for the most part, it's it's, it's fairly basic or it's fairly short. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's, uh they've been UTR. Uh, like, it was literally, like, the biggest character of the show two times in a row, and then UTR, UTR, UTR. Well, more like invisible UTR, UTR. Um, that's kind of even hard to reckon with. Um, but I do think, and I also think it's very bad for Evie that Liana is getting more development. Like, yeah. Liana is now pretty close to a more visible character overall, right? Like... Mm-hmm. that's not good for Evie. Um, like, it, you know, like, it's like every Liana confessional is one that could have been to Evie. And that's not great. Obviously, this week, Liana goes to the island and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, we see Evie's story right now basically be, they're okay with using other people's secrets, but people are a little bit more on Evie's trail than you'd expect at this point, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think that Tiffany gets to get a one-over on Evie. Yeah, I think it feels like Evie is very dayed in where they are in the game right now. They're not moving, whereas Liana and even Tiffany, to an extent, they feel like movers. Like, they're still dynamic amidst Yasa, whereas Evie is very like, okay, I'm working with Xander, but I have this group of three women, so it's fine. Yeah, I think, Joe, again, I'm going to be firing, because I feel like this episode made me have these, like, oh, I really think this is going to happen, sort of of thoughts. Mm -hmm. Joe, mark it down. I think Evie is a Josh type. I think Evie is going to leave early merge. But who's it's not going to be Liana stealing Idol uh, or anything like that. No, that would be preposterous. Your girl Tiffany is going to unseat Evie. I think Tiffany is going to be, and this I think makes so much makes sense with million dollar mistake. 
from I think that was the really bad episode. Um, mm-hmm. I think Tiffany keeping Tiffany in that moment and why we got that weird episode two where it was all heavy um is about how they made a million dollar mistake keeping tiffany because tiffany ruins her game Hmm. i can see it going that way but i don't know tiffany's an interesting one to place when they all merge like how will she how will she end up reacting to all that so i don't know curious to see how it pans out yeah um yeah that's that's where i was going like i really think that but it's like yeah i think evie is maybe just an amazing character and then doesn't mm-hmm. fit in maybe perfectly with this narrative. Like, I'm sure they would rather be giving Evie confessionals than a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. But the- I think, yeah, yeah, the thing to highlight might be that Evie got really big episodes when they went to Tribal Council, but now has not gone to Tribal Council and has yeah. really been in the background. And I think that's important to note, especially when you have other characters on the same tribe that have not had that same trajectory. So Right, like Evie and Xander actually kind of have similar mm-hmm. similar edits, right? Like, Evie's is a little bit better than Xander's, but it's the same kind of fatal flaw. Of, like, they matter when they matter, and when they don't, they don't. And mm-hmm. whereas the other two on this tribe have mattered every week. Yeah. Um, but I think you describe both of them as, well, Tiffany's a bigger character, but, like, I, I think you may might, might expect these other two to be less visible than Evie and Xander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Any, I think we're supposed, like, I, I think Evie will play Survivor again is kind of my thought process. I think that that's almost what we're getting set up for is, like, they really like them, and they're a good player, and they're interesting, and they, ah, what a shame they go a little bit earlier than you expect. Mm-hmm. I think we were wrong on the preseason or pre-merge shock boot. I think we're right on early obstacle to topple. Yeah, they're definitely not a Christian at this point. Like, yeah, no, it's gone. But in in some ways, like, still an obstacle to overcome. Yeah, like Evie got demoted from a Christian to a Josh, and is I think slowly getting even below, quite below a Josh. Honestly, um, and I don't know who that next tier would be. <laughs> um, like the <laughs> the mid level obstacle, but um, like that's kind of where we're going i think like mm-hmm. almost like a like a like a cole metters or something like <laughs> show some promise and then or a dan rengering and maybe maybe it's uh it's that kind of thing and um, allison raybold no allison goes too far i don't know <laughs> i think i'm gonna I stick with dan where it's like has some power in the game uh but isn't like ever presented as like a huge threat I don't know. Something yeah. like that. But basically early obstacle, I think, to topple. Yeah. Um not, win- to look out- not winners, not even finalists. Right, yeah. It'll be like a, a fun moment when they leave, I think. Mm-hmm. Um but I think things to watch out for would be like I think actually Evie needs a huge episode again. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I, that's what would like if they go to tribal and it's just the Evie show again maybe you could be looking at a winner but i just i or especially a lot of if there's a swap coming up a lot of their context on how things have reconfigured and where they stand actually yeah no that's that's a good point is if evie swaps or forms a really strong connection with deshaun and evie ditches her tribe i think you could see a world where evie is a contender again Mm -hmm. other than that i don't know if i can see see much yeah cool 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 uh i guess that brings us to liana who I think had a spectacular episode this week. Uh, Liana was my number one contender last week. That said, uh, I think you've kind of convinced me that I could see a world where Liana's story is actually making a huge move and then leading. 
Um, like I, I, I'm fully sold on my Liana is gonna steal Shan's idol theory, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that would be a sick move, and I'm like. When does that ever win? Like, I feel like if we go back to Million Dollar Mistake, I think it's maybe a little bit more likely that we saw a side of Liana that is, like, big move Zaitis. Um yeah. And uh, if that's the case, maybe Liana just makes, like, this super baller move, gets rid of Shan, and then leaves right after. Either way, they, they're really wanting to hype up Liana. Like, there is so much focus. There's so much attention to making Liana captivating that I have a hard time not listing her really, really high on my winner contenders list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's several things to talk about here. I think a lot of people see this episode as not great for Liana because that scene with Shan was so focused towards Shan's like positive personal story and we didn't even get much of Liana's perspective on the game. Like, I'm curious what you have to say about that because I like I don't think it was necessarily that bad. I think they definitely gave Liana what she needed from this but there is a sense that it was so Shan focused and Liana was just there to be like you're doing great Shan glad to have met you well Joe uh this whole season is pretty darn Shan focused <laughs> um so I don't know if that's a particularly meaningful uh, insight. And I think you're seeing that a lot from people who, like, I think I've seen a pretty common thought on the old Edgic subreddit be like, it's Shan, it's over. Like, uh, mm. you know, case closed. And I think you're seeing those folks be really digging their, their heels in the mud that it's Shan and there's no other options. Um, that, yeah, no, like, absolutely valid. Like, Liana didn't get that much, but Liana got important content. Liana also, like, there's only a couple times in Survivor history that we flash to a tribe after the challenge. Mm -hmm. That, like, that, a tri uh, sorry, a tribe that won after the challenge. We flash to just Liana's perspective um, on her tribe after they've lost the challenge. Obviously, there's a there's a, a mechanism causing this, but like Liana gets to explain where she sees herself on the tribe. Her, um, I don't think you could like to me. She was extremely complex. It was I'm in danger. Survivor's a game where things always change, and I'm always gonna have my finger on the pulse. I've always been playing an individual game. Um, like she needs the advantage. She has the advantage where she needs it the most. She tells us who she trusts, Shan, who she doesn't trust, Xander. Um. Like, it's a fully complex plan that she gives us after the challenge results. That's like, like, Liana has a ton of content in this episode. She isn't Shan. Like, there's yeah. no world where, like, Liana, like, and again, I, I always feel like I'm being a little bit condescending <laughs> to Liana. It's the fifth even episode I, in a row. <laughs> where I really like her. Like, I actually do really like her. Uh, and I think she's a lot better than I even gave her credit a couple weeks ago in terms of delivery. She's not one of the greatest casting choices of all time in Shan. You know what I mean? Like, she's good. She's a fun player. I like her attitude to the game. She's never gonna be the person who is 15 confessionals in an episode. Mm -hmm. Every single person on this season has to fight with the force, uh, like the force of nature that is Shan. And I don't think it's a bad thing that Shan dominates the scene with one other option that could be talking, and it's Liana, and Liana still looks pretty darn strong and competent next to Shan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're you're preaching to the choir a bit. I was I mean, I don't think this was a bad scene for Liana, but I think you put it out well in that there's a lot of things about the context of the season and everything that really work in Liana's favor. I agree that <laughs> Liana versus Shan on like a who's given like star confessionals here, like like Shan blows her out of the water, probably. But I also think looking at how the season is going to go, whether it's 
your theory of Liana stealing Shan's idol. Like, it has to end in Liana somehow usurping Shan. Like, yeah. Shan is very much presented as the, like, one to beat. And I think we're still in the stages where we need to reinforce that position and maybe that means Liana is taking a sort of backseat to this, but she's there. Like, the, it's not a complete... They didn't ignore her. They're like, Liana's here, but this is Shan's story. Right. It, like, there, was, there is a different version of this episode, Joe, where Liana says, I like Shan, I trust her. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. And then Shan does everything else the same and gets to say what Liana did. I agree. I think that, again, like, obviously it's a little bit of a pet theory, the stealing the idol and et cetera, et cetera. I, it could also be Shan gets blindsided and Liana's left out. I think it could that be Shan gets bitter juried and Liana's the beneficiary. Yes. <laughs> like, and it, yeah, yeah, I think there's all these possibilities. I think the one thing, if you maybe you're not ready to be like Liana's a winner contender from this episode, what I think you can definitely see from how this episode was treated is that Liana is for sure a long term character. Like, yes. this was sort of the nail in the coffin, not the coffin because it's it's positive, I guess, but like the like final piece that lets you look back at all the other little bits. Or you could have been like, Liana's just a character they're giving normal normal people content to. And then be like, oh, they want us to care about Liana like because yep. she's a big player. She's going to be here for a while. So I think that's really important. And and yeah, for me, that also means Liana's a big winner contender. It's, it's definitely very close between the three winner contenders I have. They all are taking very different paths to get there, I think, but... I think we have the same top three, Um, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, Liana, it's... I think the best way to put it is what you just... Like, you are... I think you had an amazing point there. I'm just going to give examples for what you mean. That it changes how you view the previous episodes. Like, Mm -hmm. Liana talks about... In episode two, how she thinks she just made a million dollar mistake. Uh, sorry, episode three, that she thinks she made a million dollar mistake. We see her really go after uh, wanting to make a big move. She talks about how you can't win this game without making these big moves. Her story is so tied to that. Despite being kind of in the, like, I think a casual viewer of the show would be like, Liana's not a big character. Yeah, like... I think you read the tribe and like, she's the one who sort of should be just sort of holding steady being like, this tribe works out for me. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, like we know that she's hungry, right? Like that's Mm. her story. And to me, that's absolutely, you're right. It's either she makes a big move. Like I think of everybody on this cast, who's going to make a big risk. Uh, Our theme of this season is risk. Liana is the one who is going to make the biggest move of the season, and I'm locking that in right now. What that means, I don't know. Does that mean that barrels her into the wind, or she flames out immediately after? I don't know, but I'm so sold on that idea that I am sold on her being, and that she's a main character, right? Like, she is, I think she is the second or third main character of the season. Um, That's huge, and that gives her a lot of chance to barrel into the winner spot. It also gives her a good chance of getting an invite again and coming, I don't know, like 10th or something. But like 10th is actually too, I, I would say like maybe 6th or something like that. You know what mm. I mean? Like making a huge move. Like, like I think that Leon's going to have a lot of stands after this season, I guess, is sort of where I'm going. Like she's either Kelly Wentworth or she's the winner. Mm-hmm. Or she's both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, 100%. Um, and that's her story is making a big move. Maybe at the right time. Maybe. 
Um, yeah. Is any other thoughts on Liana? I don't think so. I, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I, I now mm. I, I, I like her quite a bit. Um, speaking of somebody who I'm a huge fan of, <laughs> my girl Tiffany. I'm so sorry, Tiffany, that I abandoned hope for the one episode that I did there. Um, I repent. I'm sorry. I regret my choices because your girl Tiffany's number four, Joe. Um, I I got a number of DMs from people being like, I'm shocked based on how you were talking last week that you didn't list her number one. And I'm honestly, like, really, like, my top three is so close. It's like, which horse do I bet on? Um, sorry, and my apologies. Leo's, uh, sorry, Tiffany's actually my number two contender um, on this season. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I said number four incorrectly, but yeah, she's actually number two, uh, right behind Liana. Um, and it's like a f- absolute battle to the death there, uh, there at the top. Um, I think Tiffany has been show. The only issue with Tiffany is she's also by far my number one pick for losing finalist. And it's not <laughs> close. Um, and it's so hard because... I will lock in fairly confidently Tiffany's in the final six. Like, I think she's in our finale episode. Mm-hmm. I think that there's so much development. Tiffany is maybe the most consistently visible character on the show. Maybe even over Shan somehow. Like, because Shan has that one episode dip. Tiffany's been there front and center every single week, right? Um, she has development. She has personal content. She has game development. We know her game philosophy. We know her strengths and weaknesses. We know everything we need to know about Tiffany. And she's pretty darn good. And I think they could be going a whole lot more harsh on her cartoonish elements than they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So Tiffany's also in my fourth position. I think she was also there last time. But once again, not on the chart. I'm not, I've never been a Tiffany believer. Still not quite there. And I think it's kind of the three ahead of her are still, they have a level of conventionality that I'm not ready to give up on yet. Yeah, because I fair. think Tiffany's very unconventional at this point. Like that episode two, like it's happened, but like, ugh, it's it's a choice. And some of her presentation episode three, like she's not hitting all the right notes at this point. And I think two of the people I have ahead of her definitely have very, like oh that's a winner's yeah. edit and then i think there's even someone who's doing unconventionality maybe a little better than her at the point so so yeah i just i just think i i look at her edric barn i'm really like mm-hmm. i don't see it for tiffany i wish i could i like it i like her as like a winner that would be an amazing season but i, I just i don't believe it but the pieces are definitely there in some shape or fashion yeah i think the thing there is so in longtime listeners or listeners of the show will know my the primary thing I look for is edit manipulation, right? Like how do they show this differently? Uh, who has lingering plot threads that means they can't leave yet? Tiffany's got that in spades, right? Like Tiffany's got um, unresolved plot lines uh, that are important, right? Like the whole being a teacher, like I think that's actually kind of an interesting dynamic between Tiffany and Xander. And I kind of think that might be a relationship to pay attention to long-term. Maybe not, because I don't know if Xander's super long for the world. (laughs) But, well, I guess in terms of Xander's lifespan long-term, like, I think that that'll... Like, I'm actually now on the, I think, thought that Xander's actually going to make it a couple rounds into the merge. And they'll probably have an interesting story of how he doesn't think... Like, maybe he forgives her, maybe she doesn't. Like, that sort of of tug-of-war situation. Mm -hmm. Um, She's got that... She's got that she sees through Evie. Uh, like, we know she's a little paranoid, 
but is able to actually make things happen. Um, I just think there's a lot going on there that I just don't see a world where Tiffany isn't in, honestly, like the final three. But, I mean, I could see Tiffany being a Firemaker loser or, or Finale boot or something like that. So, instead, I'm going to say Finale night, I think. Um, I would yeah, I would take the over on seventh place. Hmm. I'm not as sure i don't know i feel i get why you'd put tiffany as a losing finalist for sure but it still doesn't feel completely right i feel like there's just a way she like randomly goes out earlier than you think like there's a lot of mechanic 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 ability for that to happen i think um and i think they just really because we saw this with jd already where they had a character we thought had really complex longevity and he's gone <laughs> um so i think they're willing to give tiffany a little bit of spotlight to showcase what a fun character she is and then yeah i mean i'm not saying like i did last week she could go next episode but um yeah i think i think she's not as long for the game as we might think yeah you've got me like I'm, I'm probably being a little dramatic um <laughs> but i do think that she is here for a long time i do think she's the main character um and yeah i, I mean i i just think that like if you're gonna say like do you think tiffany to nora is a decent comparison or no because hmm. i think that there's a world where tiffany is getting nora's edit and instead we're getting like um i think a significantly more complex and in uh capable person i think that's fair yeah i was gonna say like yeah tiffany's edit is definitely something more than nora's but i still think there's room between nora and like <laughs> a winner <laughs> like nora winner in my heart well i don't know about like post-show stuff but like the character was great but i still think mm, yeah i I think there's room for Tiffany yeah. to be more than Nora, but not quite a winner. Yeah, I think that's the issue is like, that's why I have Liana above her. Just because I do think that, I don't know, there's there's some worlds where it's just, she's, maybe they up the goofy factor next week and it's over. You know what I mean? Like, they're, mm -hmm. I think they're trotting a, a fine line and I think episode two went too far on the, um, a goofy train but now she's back to being a little bit more complex and competent uh so i think we gotta see where these tetris blocks fit but i'm still pretty darn high on her and she's on the right tribe she's got a good mix of content i don't think she's contradicted herself i think that's other than when she was kind of the boot uh decoy which again i kind of write off yeah i don't know i i'm i'm quite high on her and i actually really really like her uh i like uh, yeah like i think she might be my second or third favorite on the cast definitely this episode i was i was so here for her faces and stuff but yeah overall she's just a fun character and breaks like convention as a character in some ways and i'm always here to see that like after 40 seasons and like 16 to 20 castaways a season like you see the same stuff over and over and tiffany's definitely a new character that has new stuff to bring to the table so yeah like to me she reminds me of sandra and yeah. i can't shake that um it's like uh, to me it's, it's it's kind of absurd because i don't think we've ever seen a player like sandra other than sandra um just the like yeah like sandra's like almost inherently contradictory 
mystery person. And Tiffany's that as well. Um, and is so like so performative, mm-hmm. but like you can see why people love them. Yeah. And I think when I think of like a bad episode two that doesn't look winnery, like that's Sandra, like just has these weird outlier moments in her yeah. edit that don't work, but in the sense of who Sandra is. We can is get and, loud too. Yeah, and how she plays, like that makes a little bit of sense. It's just there's also many characters who have had those outlying moments and it's because they didn't win the game as a survivor. So yeah. I see it, but yeah, I'm still very, very skeptical. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Any other thoughts on Tiffany? Nope. Uh yeah, I I mean I think that other than Tiffany is going I think my pet theory is that Tiffany is going to end Evie's game. Um I, I yeah, I think Tiffany's gonna be remembered I think my hot take is that Tiffany will be remembered as a power player of the season. Hmm. Somehow, some way, <laughs> it's going to happen. And I think my early take that her her story is going to be about presenting different than she actually is, is my take there. Um, let's jump to Xander. Um, poor guy. He was really funny <laughs> in this episode. I do feel kind of bad for the treatment that <laughs> he was given because um, he looked like a real bozo. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is the episode where he could have had his, like, comeuppance. Like, I have my idol now, so I'm a force to be reckoned with. And I mean, we didn't have time for that. Like, that's post-immunity challenge stuff. But, but yeah, I don't think we are being led to that either. <laughs> like, I think we're still pretty right that Xander just sort of exists in the frame of his advantages and as an outlier to this girl's alliance, so. Yeah, I think the only asterisk there is, in a way, him getting so clowned on actually gives me some hope for his longevity, is that's kind of why I think that he'll last a couple rounds in the merge, whereas I think I would have picked him to leave next this week, otherwise. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, you had Tiffany talk like really uh crap on xander uh and then you had liana explicitly say she's gonna steal his idol and vote him out like survivor calls it shots but usually not that blatantly mm-hmm. oh yeah um, i think I think that's definitely fair. I think Xander is is not going anywhere too soon. I think he sort of has a place in the merge, but I definitely don't see him on finale night or anything. Yeah, I think I'm probably with you there. Like, I could I could see him maybe like mostly just because he's a big buff dude. Like, sneak out some like I'm trying to think of a good example of this and failing, but like somebody who is in utter threat early on is and kind of turns into an underdog, like um from winning challenges. Like, I could see that being a very real possibility for Xander um but yeah I think overall like I think Xander's your pick for like he I think he's just Michael Yerger actually and it's almost the same story but Michael Yerger was presented as the strong version um where Xander's he's gonna be an underdog in the same way that Michael Yerger was uh but I think it's more like from his own actions than he's on the wrong tribe like Michael Yerger kind of was like I feel like the story of Yerger was he would have won if he was not on the cursed tribe right yeah, he's a Xander's a very basic underdog compared to that where he doesn't have really the positivity or anything. Like he's just sort of there and yeah. He's- and he's kind of a bozo, but he has some good ideas. He just can't quite mm-hmm. get, he, his implementation just isn't quite there. I thought he was really funny when he was like, yeah, she's used to being like a teacher and like, <laughs> like, I hope she has pity on me. That was the saddest, like, saddest confessional mm-hmm. in the entire world. <laughs> like, I hope, like, yeah, it, it is also kind of funny that like the stereotypical like alpha dude is like, I really hope the older woman has pity on me and keeps me in the game, maybe. <laughs> yeah. like, that's a fun, refreshing change. Mm-hmm. But very sad at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. 
There was just like, and he just looked so defeated. Like that scene was really magical. Um, just like obviously Tiffany hams it up a little bit with the facial expressions, but even just the like. So w- why were you talking about broccoli or butterflies? And he's like, ah. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. I love how Tiffany describes it as like, yeah, he's showing me this one thing that he's told me he just found. There's like papers flying out of his bag and like, <laughs> like the exact same as JD, right? It's like, there's this clear story of like these young folks just having a real hard time with paper, like where to store paper. <laughs> like JD stores it hanging out of his underwear and <laughs> Xander stores it like, shuffling all these advantages flying everywhere like there's almost like this theme of like man isn't paper hard to deal with (laughs) like (laughs) these kids today don't know how to deal with sheets of paper (laughs) these digital natives Mm -hmm. no it's 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 kind of wild but it's clearly a theme and honestly talking about xander and the fact that he does tie to that young people really Mm. sad ironic theme makes me actually more worried about liana and that move i'm talking about not working (laughs) like (laughs) xander is tanking liana's um, power in my head but hmm. yeah um i kind of hope he sticks around because i think he's kind of fun like i yeah. like i always love this like like bradley style player just like can't get like it's like xander comes off like charlie brown right like trying to <laughs> trying to kick the football and gets pulled away Mm-hmm. Um, yeah yeah they can't get their footing and they're not really integral to the plot so they just sort of muddle around until they're booted like that's fun like kind of sad to see and but it happens and it's fun when the show explores it so yeah for real for real um so yeah i guess that brings that's that's the end of the asa tribe mm-hmm. um they were the least visible for the most part in this episode but um yeah uh, I would say they were still more visible than Luvu somehow. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I don't know. I, I really love all four of these characters. And mm-hmm. I mean, props to the show for setting them up. And, you know, if, yeah, I don't know. That's that's the Ostrap. Let's jump to Luvu. Wild episode this week. This was like, I would almost describe as unhinged episode for a Luvu. Um, that said, I mean, one of my winner contenders is on this tribe. So, Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very weird scenes to come from them. They just continue to be a tribe I can't quite pin down. And until like merge dynamics start getting pinned down or like they start going, I think that's when I'll figure it out. But for now, they're just kind of. I really think that the story of this tribe is it's just they don't work together like i don't think that we can mm-hmm. really draw many meaningful um thoughts other than this is just not a tribe that's working together and i actually think i gotta push back a little bit on the idea that this tribe isn't that complex like i actually think you know kind of an absurd amount about this tribe's dynamics like based on like if you flash back to the scenes we've gotten and they're all kind of disjointed and don't make sense. Like we actually know like Danny and Deshaun are close. Now they're working with Nasir, but Nasir doesn't trust them. Uh, and Sydney doesn't really like Nasir, but she values his hardworking survivalistness. And then uh, Erica and Heather are close and Erica wants Sydney out. Like it is actually kind of, there's a lot of relationships on the board. Yeah. I guess it's like, is that enough though for like a tribe that never actually mattered? Like, do we, would we have wanted to see more or more coherently put together? Like, I don't know. And, and you're, 
the whole thing about this season is that maybe none of the relationships mattered anyway. So why why bother showing as much of them as we got? So yeah, because I mean that's also kind of a weird survivor results bias thing, right? As I mean, what like every season where there's been like a decimation sort of situation, uh the other than Palau, the winners come from the underdog tribe, mm-hmm. right? Like Natalie White, um JT, De- Denise, JT, uh. Tom's the only one that it was the the people got punked and then mm-hmm. the uh, other tribe won, right? And it, it's weird because if you watch Palau, like, Tom was in every episode. Yeah, they definitely but... gave gave time to Karor to be like, here's what's happening on this tribe that never goes to tribal council. Yeah, but, like, people like Jen, from what I remember, were not really on the show. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, like, is that terribly dissimilar, like, to Heather? Or, like, I don't know, like, Greg, like, Greg their name, uh, on Palau, <laughs> yeah. uh, also was, like, not a character. Like, I think people are kind of the possibility that this is just, you know, um, like, a weird, like, I'm sure that, uh, Luvu is bad and not terribly different than Karor in terms of complexity. Hmm, I don't know. I'd have to do more research or check on that. But, like, I don't know. <laughs> Because I keep being like, well, you had, like, Katie and Karen, or Ian and Tom. But, like, you do have bits of that throughout the episode, so. Yeah. yeah no, I'm... like, that's what I mean. Like, is is it really that radically different between Danny and Deshaun than Ian and Tom? Like, that was developed? Or, um, like, uh, where you get, like, like, that's the thing. is like, there's a couple relationships that mattered, and that was the final three. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of them didn't really matter. And <laughs> yeah, if you weren't Katie, Tom, or Ian, like your story didn't really matter on Karar. I don't think that's <laughs> like, what if the final three is Danny, Deshaun, and Sydney or something? Or Nasir, Danny, Deshaun? Hmm. That'd be dark sided, but. the three men but you know what i mean like i think that's not a terribly um, impossible possibility but it's not what i'm really considering but yeah yeah i'd say just watch out for a chance that they are dominating (laughs) the end game um let's jump to danny king of wanting to throw the challenge now all of a sudden yeah now he's like gone full dark side and it's like i just want to throw this challenge so he says he doesn't want to work from this year because he doesn't want to throw the challenge (laughs) when that was him last week yeah that was like at what like i think they flashed day 10 right on the on the old chiron so that mm-hmm. was yesterday mm-hmm. <laughs> yesterday he wanted he didn't want to throw the challenge and now he's ruling off voting working with people because they won't do it <laughs> we strive to be as randomly vengeful as danny yeah so so not great for danny i mean things continue to be not great for his chances but yeah at least he was here again i don't know he's a tricky one in that he's been kind of present like i still think episode one to episode two is a big thing like i get episode three now i can see that as a sort of an outlier but episode one to two is a big big drop for me no i agree i think danny's gonna have a hard time ever really persuading us here i think i think i think i think i think that the throwing a challenge thing is a little villainous i think that's what we're getting to Mm -hmm. and that danny and deshaun are gonna be our kind of like uh tweedledee and tweedledum villains for the early merge yeah i could see that where they're just early early casualties 
Because, like, the average Survivor fan hates the challenge throws, right? Like, they're, like, I feel like you go to the Survivor Facebook page and, like, that's the, like, if any, I think if any topic unites the Survivor fandoms, like, between, like, the Facebook casuals and the Reddit super nerds, it's, for the most part, they don't like throwing challenges. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe it's a bad thing to be shown wanting that. And it not working also looks bad. I think last week I was, when they were narrating the, the challenge, I was like, okay, they're going to show that no matter what, yada yada. Um, here, I mean, they're still failing and i think that's starting to look a whole lot more like a risk that didn't work yeah yeah i think even though they're not actually contributing to the or like doing the idea of throwing the challenge like the effort they have given to it so far is like poison the well and makes them look bad just by associating them with that idea and that said i mean uh it didn't look like they were throwing to me this week yeah i don't think so i think they naturally lost to which it was such a simple immunity challenge like i as i think literally anyone could have won or lost but yeah i think they were going for it this time was kind of fun just seeing just a couple people mm-hmm. um there was there was a charm to that for sure yeah. yeah i don't know i still really like danny i i, I think he's fun whenever he talks um hope i honestly kind of hope he does kind of stick around a decent amount because i think i think there's actually something good here i think there's a kernel of a good story um and i think i think it's one that they could pop in an interesting way yeah and i mean we liked him in the premiere and i wish he'd i wish he'd come back and have that sort of good charismatic narrator presence yeah. that he had there so for sure for sure any other thoughts on danny nope this here i guess to deshaun uh who i'm sorry to say deshaun has i think like i think for the last like two weeks or so he's been there on my winner contender list as somebody who i could see really clinching the win he dropped i think officially off there uh in meaningful consideration territory like i still wouldn't be super shocked if he squeaks out a win i just this week was enough to kind of like last week wasn't great and then uh this week i think was enough for me to drop him off considerably um yeah he, think, he, yeah it just doesn't feel totally correct and I, I feel like we've had that vibe with edits before and often it's the right vibe it's sort of that it's a patchy edit where there's like holes here and there like yeah he's just not getting the right content in the right parts and i think this too was sort of the episode where i was like it'd be a real disappointment i think of deshaun one especially while they're building up characters in ways that do make sense and are conventional or at the very least very interesting ways to build yeah. a winner so yeah deshaun's yeah. officially at this point our award winner for like the um what, what was it angela the one season where it was invisible huge episode invisible huge episode mm-hmm. um he's literally gone utr2 like quiet loud quiet loud quiet mm-hmm. and i'm like okay that's a pattern crossed off like um and they I, seem to do this like it feels like it must be intentional like oh we ignored them last week better give them a huge episode this week um I feel like I keep thinking back to preseason, knowing what we know about Deshaun and how they would have totally had the ability to make him a bigger character than he's being presented as. And we're not seeing any of that. Like, yeah, I think we get we know Shan is such a great character, but I think there's also the same ability for Deshaun to be the same sort of great character that Shan is. And we're not getting any of that. So, yeah, I really I I talk myself further down and down on Deshaun with each sentence, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is like. I think if this week he had another big episode, I would be totally considering him. It's just this week turned, like, re 
like changes how you view last week into being he, he he's one note he just wants to throw a challenge mm-hmm. right like that's the that's the story um he's the guy who wants to throw the challenge uh whereas he could have been guy who wants to make risks or something or big yeah. player or but instead he is simply the guy who wants to throw the challenge again that's not good yeah and i think of like the gaps with not talking about evie or the idol or any of that sort of there's a lot missing from deshaun's edit i think yeah yeah this was a very not needed cooldown. this was like <laughs> like it was like um like you put the burrito in for like the frozen burrito in for 30 seconds uh you heat it up a little bit you bite inside <laughs> of it like the first bite's really good and then the middle's ice and you like crack a tooth on it like that's what this episode <laughs> felt like um like it wasn't fully cooked uh last week felt like it might have been um but your boy's still frozen mm-hmm. yeah i don't know that's the sean i guess uh let's jump to erica Oh boy. I think Erica's the last on my list. I would <laughs> that makes me so sad. Again, my preseason winner pick Erica is bringing out the rear. I'm stunned she's still here, honestly. Like <laughs> just, yeah, very very sad edit at this point. I mean, her and the next person just like what are you like I want to see more from a person. I don't care if they're the most boring person. Like doing this to someone just feels so cruel, especially when you know they've they've gotten the chance to be on Survivor. Erica was literally waiting a year for this and yep. now she is just not on the show despite not being voted out. So, yeah, like it's it's so weird like and it's also sad that it's like okay, like you're Erica, you're at home um, you're like, yeah, I made it to the merge. You turn on the TV show. You're like, yeah, family, let's go. You're not on the show. You're not on the show. You're not on the show. Uh, there's an entire episode devoted to conspiring to take you out because you're in that bad of a spot. Uh, and then this week, it's just, you're not on the show and there's a plot to still, <laughs> to still take you out of the game. Yeah. Yeah, um, I feel like if... So Ricard says something that I thought was very... cap, Like, very intelligent. Like, that honestly, like, flipped my opinion on Ricard completely. Like, maybe, like, a Ricard stan. Also, he's really funny on Twitter, but uh, mostly this comment was... Ricard said something like, everybody in the game's gonna know whoever the remaining two are, are the best players in the game. Because they've made it down to two people, and you can't do that not being a good player. We're battle-tested, we've shown that we know how to lie, we know how to play, we are a different caliber of player than the people we're dealing with. Erica, to me, was a very, like, when he was talking, I was like, oh, that's actually a sly dig at Erica and Heather, um, who I think will be taken out in short order, because of they're basically relative inexperience with the game of Survivor, despite being there for the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could be that there's some sort of purposeful contrast and being like, oh, these people haven't played the game, like, by showing them not, or not showing them on our screens versus having seen Shannon Ricard all this time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, poor Erica. At least she got that one episode where she got, like, some to talk a little bit. Um, (laughs) I really like her, still. I'm sad about this. Uh, But yeah, she is last. She's definitely below heather too mm-hmm. i'm very worried for her next episode like seeing her so excited in the next time on i was like mm, yeah you're going home low. <laughs> yeah she's gonna be my next boot pick mm-hmm. i hope you sneak 
a little bit further and are able to win to make me look smart. But other than that, uh, not a whole lot. Like, honestly, other than survive, like, I guess the optimistic view would be kind of what we're saying with Xander, um, would be the plot to throw the challenge fails, Erica becomes Deshaun's undoing, is I think the best she can Mm. hope for. Yeah. Like, maybe the story is actually how they fail, how them failing to throw the challenge actually killed Lulu's chances to win. Hmm. You can see that. Yeah. Because that's, like, been their primary, like, A plot two weeks in a row has been they need to throw to get rid of Erica or she will cause irreparable harm. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the case. Maybe she does actually do that. Yeah. So let's go wolf and sheep's clothing, Erica. Um, but other than that, let's jump to Heather queen. <laughs> yep. Much of the same. Like literally she, did, was she even showed in this episode? <laughs> like, I do not remember her <laughs> at, at all. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was getting, like, ready to say was, like, I know I we talk about, like, Invisible versus just under the radar, and, like, I really don't use Invisible, but if there isn't ever an episode, like, I think when she sat out of the challenge, which is the best part to be shown, but otherwise, no, she was not here. I don't even think she was shown, like, like in the background or something, like, at mm. all. Um, yeah, uh... I- I think it's still unacceptable she's allowed to sit out of every challenge. Like it's, <laughs> it's she's participated in one immunity challenge. <laughs> one <laughs> the first one. And that's it. Hmm. Like how she's just allowed to be there on the bench all day. <laughs> it's really absurd. Like I really think that if that rule doesn't get changed after this, like I don't know what to say. Cause if that's the case, like the like older woman thing, like if like they're a challenge or like the challenge liability thing needs to die because you could just put them on the bench and put your best people in mm-hmm. well i mean unless you're down in numbers then you are putting your yeah in and so but yeah poor heather at least she, i i mean i would rather be heather than erica Oh, for sure. You got your inspire. <laughs> you got your one inspiring scene, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, I think. I mean, I think she outlasts Erica. Like, <laughs> man, I, I, we always try to figure out exactly where their stories are going. It's just they have nothing. Like, they have nothing. Like, mm-hmm. actually, I, I think they are going to Nayanka and Purple Kelly. It. I think they leave somehow simultaneously. <laughs> Or Heather quits or something. Or Honestly, I think Heather getting medevaced, I think, is where... Like, mm-hmm. if I had to hot take it, I think that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any thoughts? Any other thoughts on Heather? Like, there really is nothing in this. Like, yeah, we, she sat out. We talked many more sentences than she did. For real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that brings us to Nasir, who I think we're about to have a pretty interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at one... Right after watching the episode, I went to my chart, and my process is I usually watch it once. I watch it... Uh, and then usually like a day later I watch again, but I usually make my chart on the first watch, see what changes and kind of compare and contrast what my own kind of view thoughts are. Mm-hmm. On a first watch, I left and Nasir was my number one winner contender after this episode. This was a comically good episode for Nasir in like every way. Like the weird, the weird confessional splicing, the introduction that he's a father uh, and what he loves about Survivor, the narrating all the themes, the finding the idol, not wanting to throw the challenge. Additionally, he's been there every week still. Um, that said, um, he is just a little bit too goofy, I think, still for me to fully buy. 
Uh, but he's number three on my contenders list. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still pretty all in on the idea that we are getting a not strategic winner, I think is like where I'm going there. Um, or like a secondary player style winner. And I think this year is top on the list because I don't know where else he would go other than just Burt style character. Yeah, I think this episode reinforced, like I had fallen off this year a little bit last episode, but this one brought him back. Like, it's exactly the sort of thing he needed if he if he is the winner. I think a little more explaining, like, what his plan going forward is would have helped. But um, it was definitely more than enough. It was presented so positively. And, like, as we've said, it stuck to the theme so well. Like, he definitely... He's definitely up there in, like, I can see his path as much as I can see Liana or, Sha- or Shans. Like, yeah. it's it's it feels less likely. Like, that's the logic side of it. I guess, but it's there and I get it. So, yeah, I mean, I see like the world where Nasir wins. I think it's like, I think it's kind of a like a four, three, one or something, you know what I mean? Like, or like a four, mm. two, two, like a three, two, two or something, though. Like, I could see it. I could see him being dragged as a goat and winning. Um, maybe a goat on an astroturf, Joe. <laughs> um yeah like i ugh, like i just there's there's something going on with him they want us to know everything about what's going on with this year mm-hmm. and joe i don't think there's a whole lot going on with this year based on that conversation with danny and deshaun he's just like but like he gets content about how he's getting to play the game now and like if you track his story it's like and even we know survivor loves doing the like uh the winners on the blue mat uh david's like or, or sorry and david versus goliath nick's like and maybe a david's gonna wear the crown like you know what i mean like they have that like on the opening mat scene winner quote mm-hmm. remember back to the premiere joe uh that weird scene where nasir climbs up last <laughs> that's pretty winner quotey to me where jeff's like do you want to play survivor why was that on the show um maybe it's because your boy this year's the winner i think it's very possible um yeah i like we know everything about this guy like he might be the most developed character um maybe even more than shan i will say that he's never contradicted like even as we see in this now that he's in the conversation about throwing the challenge like that is very much in his favor saying that like that's not the thing to do like i mean we haven't seen either way whether it's the right choice or not but i the edit isn't saying we should be throwing the challenge. It's saying mm, probably shouldn't. Like yeah. So and like may, like I think I could see a world where Nasir gets to the end and his speech is something like uh there's so many people who are so obsessed with risk and I said let's not throw the challenge <laughs> and that's like movies claiming or whatever right like I also see a world where Nasir is super likable and like how would you not vote for that guy? He's really charming, but like why would you vote him? out too like it's weird because like i don't think he is that strategic but he found this idol people will will know he has it um but yeah like i I think he's going deep like Mm -hmm. they really want us to like him like they really 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 do um i don't think it's a coincidence that he's the one who get like like in triple h a lot of the new editing techniques were used with ben right like um like i think they usually do these things with primary characters they want us to care about the mm-hmm. the flashback right it's it's nasir here um yeah i i am very very high on nasir 
Um, I also like him a lot. I think he's really, really captivating. Uh, he's a great character. The downside would be if he's Ty, but I actually think he's been more nuanced than Ty. Yeah, I think at this point, it's it's almost not as visible as Ty. And mm-hmm. I think the big thing about Ty is you sort of see this turn where people start to su- start to see him as less of a game player and someone who's a little bit more wishy-washy. And I think that's going to be sort of the telling point for Nasir. But yeah. I don't know, I do. And I feel I feel strongly about him, too, because I think we've been on this since episode one. Or I mean, I have for sure. Yeah, um, no, I laughed you out of the building on episode <laughs> one. And now I am a Nasir seer and I think that's why that's why it still rings true is that there were those opening moments and it's not even when he does look really great in an episode like this it doesn't feel like oh I've ran out of other options to consider so maybe this one it feels like oh this is just adding on to whatever yeah when I was watching the episode and he's talking about um like he's like it seems like my trimates including me and are including me in many conversations uh, I feel great because they want to work with me. Um, and he says, yeah, that's music to myself. Um, yeah. Um, I just, there's like, I don't think they ever give him that strategic confessional. If he doesn't do something big, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you just show him doing fun stuff, but like, there's clearly a deliberate focus on making him seem like a, not a terrible player. Yeah. Yeah. I think like we said, it's so easy to showcase him as an outsider and making bad moves, but the edit has never really made him be contradicted. It's yeah. saying like he's usually in the right and he's doing pretty well for himself. So Yeah, and I mean he finds finds the idol. Um I think he's like I don't know. I, I really think I, I'm viewing this season like a Survivor Gabon situation and like Tell me Nasir isn't Bob, but like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I I can see up big time um, just with like more of a modern touch, I think. And yeah, I don't know. Very high on Nasir. Uh, as we mentioned, like he talks about how he's going to work every single day. He's going to practice hard. He's like, he's literally just summing up all the themes together. Talking about how it's too risky to throw the challenge. He doesn't want to do it. That's what bad people do. Um, mm-hmm. In a way, you could probably say that the weird topsy-turvy environment of Luvu is manufacturing drama to show where he is at all times. But also, maybe he wasn't leaving. That's kind of a trick that Ko Rong did with Michelle. Like, where we now know that Michelle was pretty much always leaving if she lost the challenge on the Beauty Tribe. Um, but... They put her in some danger, and then the next week they're like, actually, they formed the beauty girls, and they're giving people massages, and she's fine now. That's kind of what they did in this year here. Um, so, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, I love the guy. Hope he does well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of somebody that I love, the mermaid queen herself, Sydney. <laughs> uh, like, honestly, for like eight seconds, I was like, "Is wow, is Sydney winning? But I think she's just cool. Like, honestly, I think she's just <laughs> like, I think she's just fun and quotable and not super relevant to anything going on, but they really like her. Is kind of my read on Sydney. I kind of, I get where you're thinking she's cool, but I think the show is very like, look at this, this person. Like, I think Sydney's probably, I'm just sort of waiting for her to go. Like, it feels like her time left is very short and she almost feels kind of like a Bradley. Like, yeah. not, not 
totally fitting in with the island experience and will just be ousted at some point. So yeah, I, I also kind of was like, well, she's gotten content like pretty much every episode. It doesn't look the best, but that's saying something in this cast. So maybe there's something to it. Yeah, she is one of like three people who don't have an under the radar episode, right? Like, or, or like uh, at least an episode where she she's not there. Mm-hmm. you know um so that's something uh yeah like i mean we've always got this like weird kooky vibe from her uh but then she does find out that eric is after her like i feel like i'd be surprised if sydney leaves before erica um i don't know she's a hard one to place because like i think she's supposed to be an obstacle like she says she's the threat of all threats and mm-hmm. um she clocks erica pretty quickly um there's a lot of that sort of thing going on she does have content every week we know she like traveled all across the world and she can spearfish and she's just a weird character mm-hmm. i do not think she is a winner um no but yeah i don't even know where she really places like i think she could kind of go wherever uh maybe she's a losing finalist like i could see a world where they're kind of trying to develop her as a character and yeah. she's just not doing much and so they're mm-hmm. like she's fishing <laughs> i know like, i definitely I definitely see what the swap, like, her and Erica could both go just on separate circumstances. Yeah. Like, but I, I well, guess I, I see some of, like, maybe a Dean-style losing finalist in her, too. Yeah, right? Like, what if it's the debate's kind of like it's Sydney versus, I don't know, Tiffany or something, and Sydney's kind of motif to cross off is, like, the provider thing, right? Like, the outdoors survivors way harder than normal, and that's, like, not the winning pitch. Mm-hmm. I could see that pretty easily. And I, yeah, I just, but she's also just somebody who could just be kind of a, like, that they could just heat up in one episode to have, like, a, like, a tiger mom kind of flame out episode. Yeah. She's totally could be primed for just one big episode where she ups and also goes. Yeah, like if I think of all characters on this cast, Sydney is my pick to just leave randomly in an OTT NN5 episode. <laughs> yeah. You know for what I mean? Sure. Like, it just, you know, episode nine, it's wall-to-wall Sydney content as everybody makes fun of her or something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like I can easily see that happening. Yeah. She is one of my favorites, though. I really do like her. <laughs> every week, I, she makes me laugh. Like, she makes me laugh every week. And, hey, mm-hmm. what, can, what else can you hope for, right? Yeah, definitely a character. I mean, this is a great cast, but, like, they're really letting the, like, character bits and personality of Sydney shine, so. Yeah, and my guess is, like, if we're going with the conspiracy theory of Nasir winning, I mean, I think he he's probably going to be responsible for Sydney going. I can see that. I, I, I Yeah, I think that would be my... Maybe she gets idled out by Nasir. I think that's also maybe a bad thing for Nasir, because I think that sort of could be a good, like... Yeah, his Climactic, yeah, climactic yeah. point for his story. So, yeah, I think this year should hope Sydney's a losing finalist. <laughs> um, like the longer Sydney's in the game, I think is better for this year's winner chance. Or if they just go separately, yeah, yeah, hundred percent agreed there. Um, mm-hmm. so that's Luvu. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, weird tribe, weird tribe, weird tribe Continue is weird to be weird. Uh, that brings us to Uwa. There's now as many characters in their tribe name as there are people on the tribe. I can't believe we. And actually, Joe, that's also the case with Yasa. Um, could it be uh, foreshadowing? Yeah, what will the final 10 look like? Mm. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, maybe I, I could see it very, very possibly being Erica and Heather leave next and it's 4-4-2. Yeah, that'd be wild. That would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> I'm... Uh, kind of hoping for it now um but yeah Uo was amazing this week um rip genie machini uh also holy cow are all the people who had those intro confessional uh movie things like movie flashbacks mm-hmm. in dire like i think i was right i think every pre-merge vote had one of those mm, i don't think voce had one but no, he did he did it was him in the hospital i mm. 100%. He was walking around the hospital with a clipboard. Okay. Yeah, literally everyone. Uh maybe except Sarah. All of our um sorry, other than uh Abraham had the freaking um flashback scene in the opening. That's wild. Um, and there's only a couple people left with them. What? It's yeah. Tiffany and Ricard. And well, Deshaun was in the second episode, but he had yeah. one as well. Yeah, the only ones in the premiere left, I believe. Oh, and Nasir. No, Nasir's was second episode. Oh, was this? Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I think you're right. So yeah, it's just it's just Tiffany and Ricard. Ooh. So, uh, but <laughs> um, I don't actually think that's a bad thing because I think sometimes what you see is like. It'll be like two long-term characters and then the entire pre-merge or something. You know what I mean? Like, and they don't really think about, you know, oh, we got people from all over. Cool. And, you know, don't really realize that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's the, ooh, uh, so let's jump in here to Ricard. I, as I've mentioned a few times, am now such a Ricard stand. It's not even funny. And he's jumped quite a bit in my winter contenders. Uh mm. He's not top... He might be fifth, honestly. He might be fifth. Um, But I just... I could see it. I kind of see where people are coming from now more. He could be kind of the... He could easily be the Natalie to Shan. I just... I don't feel like there was enough development. Even still to this point. I think this episode just had him... It was almost there, but still... Not his own character outside of Shan. I think it's always been my biggest... My biggest, like, worry about him and... Do you think that... So I guess... Let me prompt you a question here. So, do you think it's not enough? Because to me, the reason... So I'll explain what I think and see what your thoughts are there. So... The reason he raced for me is that I think they actually finally found the difference between him and Shan. And it's that he's the one who comes up with the ideas and Shan is the closer, right? Like that's, I think, where they go with this episode is like, look, he's actually thinking of all this cool stuff Shan's doing. He's just not the closer. Does I don't that, know. Is that not nuanced enough for you? Have Have we seen that in previous episodes or do we even like need to see that, I guess, is what you're saying? Or No, I mean, we now know that Ricard gave Shan the idea to steal the thing from JD. We see Ricard in this episode uh, get Jeannie to leave the vote thing in the field. We then see Ricard go to Jeannie and kind of ready the field for Shan to take the idol, right? Like, we clearly see, I think now, that Ricard's actually the puppet master or like the the strategist and that Shan's just the expert with people. Maybe not just, but you know what I mean? Like 
there, there, it's kind of a nuanced point where he he comes up with the idea, she closes. I feel like it wasn't really built up in the right way in those first two episodes. That's like, true. The fact he was called the master strategist this episode was just. I mean, I could see it. And I can see how you would how Ricard would fit into that role, but the what we saw on the screen in the past four episodes didn't match with that. We had basically seen so much of Shan being like, "Oh, here's how this tribe is going. I'm making the hard choices," and then it's all of a sudden like Ricard's the master strategist. It felt very, like, it didn't work together, right? That's fair. No, that's, um, like, I think that's totally fair and why he's still not that high for me. Like, to mm-hmm. me, I would give him now, like, 5%. And I think I was giving him a zero last week. So sure. that's still, like, an astronomical rise. But, yeah, like, my top four for me are just so locked in. But that's, yeah. what do you think is going to be Ricard's story? Like, They've hyped up so much that he's untrustworthy. I think he could maybe be part of Shan's undoing in the game, maybe. Um, But I don't know. I really don't know where to place him. Because I think he's too important to leave next week or something. Yeah. I think once they actually do merge, like, in a few episodes or so, maybe. I think maybe Liana and Shan come together to take him out in sort of a blind side. Or Liana and Ricard work to take out Shan. Mm, I don't see that. I see it the Oh, other way I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Ricard is... I think he's going to remain the the strategist of the season. You know what I mean? Like, I think if we, like... I always try to view it as, like, after this season, when we look back... Who was the most strategic? I think Ricard is going to win that award. Or I guess, will it be Shannon or will it be Ricard? I just, I do not see in the, like actual episodes ricard is strategist like it i agree before this week um i guess what i'm saying is i guess i I think that is the role he will now take on Mm -hmm. because there's so much about him being untrustworthy and like we like he's the weasel i think right like he's your little finger uh Mm -hmm. if this is game of thrones i think maybe that's the case but i'd be wary of that happening because of a swap where ricard and shan are swapped apart from each other and Ricard just sort of naturally fills this role on his own. I could see that happening just by nature, but I, I think that would just happen anyway. I don't think that's him sort of building on what we've seen here. I think I would want to have still seen more, more in like episode two and three that made him someone who could emerge like this on his own too. So yeah. I don't know, I'm just very wary of Ricard's winner chances. I feel like... He could be a losing finalist. Like, mm-hmm. I think that'd be pretty easy to tell that story. It's like, he's untrustworthy as hell. You know what I mean? Like, sure. he's, uh, like, if anybody's, like, a, like, I almost wonder if Ricard's, like, what happens if Russell isn't the most visible character in Samoa or something? You know what I mean? Like, is it kind of like Ricard? Maybe. But Ricard seems a little bit more forthcoming with his uh, backstabbiness, I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I really like him. I think that's, I think, the big change, really, is that last week and the weeks before, I was like, eh, he's, he's, he seems pretty cool. Uh, and this week, I'm, like, a huge fan. I want to hear him talk about how he views the game more. I want more of his content because I think he's really, like, I really love when people are, just have this, like, sophisticated, like, brilliant view of the game. And I think he has that. I think he has a gift. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see parts of that. I really enjoyed his interaction with Shan where he did not back down. Yeah. And that worked out for him. But yeah, I see the glimpses of it, but I'm I still feel like I'm looking through through like the lens of what Survivor is giving me to see those actual bits and pieces of how he's yeah. a good strategist. Yeah, and I think him at Tribal is really selling himself well. Cause yeah, like that like and I think it's easy to sleep on how hard that would be. Like I saw a lot of, and like a lot of my friends 
friends, their feedback was like, why didn't Shan vote at Ricard? Like, um, what's going on there? Like, they were clearly fighting. Like, why would Ricard ever push back? And I'm like, no. Like, the fact that he pushed back, stood his ground, and didn't leave shows how good this guy is. Mm-hmm. Like, I respect that so much more than if he just gives it away, like JD did. Like, yeah. he says, no, like, you have no reason to keep me if I give you this. So go away. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> Maybe talk to me another time. Like, I really, really appreciate that, um, Candor. And more players should be like Ricard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think, and, and this might be a hot take, Joe. Of this entire cast, maybe other than Brad, give me Ricard on another season. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see him away from the specter of Shan. Because yeah, I think I, that, especially just with how the season went, it made their relationship so close to one another that it sort of has I don't know like tainted definitely I view him here and I'm curious to see what he can do on his own or with different people for sure for sure I guess the only only other person would be Shan so I guess let's jump here into Shan mm-hmm. um Shan looms over the season like a specter in that every scene that isn't with Shan you feel something missing you know what I mean <laughs> like uh but the, the the rest of the cast is so good that's, that's not not a shade on them at all it's just like she she, she's everywhere and it does like my like i think that uh you still have her number one right i do yeah so i have her number four um it, basically my thought process is it's either shan or shan is the top obstacle and i think mm-hmm. i'm i'm more sold on her being the obstacle and so i'm picking the the underdogs but i mean holy cow was this a good episode for shan holy cow is this an episode where i'm like really having to fight with myself to be like not having her number one because the thing that i'm noticing here joe i think we are either crowning the biggest coronation of the greatest survivor player of all time or it's how Shan lost. I really, either way, the story's about Shan. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think this episode, I think I read somewhere on the survey that there was a lot of opportunity for the edit to undermine Shan, and they took almost none of it. Like, even in her interaction with uh, Ricard, it's not presented as negative. Like, it's not really that Shanna's petulant and just wants her way. It's that it's a battle of these two trying to do what's best for their games and mm-hmm. using that to their advantage. So, so yeah, I think I still very much lean that this is Shan's win over someone taking Shan out. And it is getting to a point where it's like so much of an edit. Like, I'm very curious to see like what a more casual fan thinks of the season. Like, is Shan too in their face? Or does it seem like she's going to run away at the game? Or like, are they thinking she's playing it really like close to the fire and she's going to get her comeuppance, which I think is like, a good read for her because I think that means the like a more casual fan base is scared of her leaving and it's not so obvious that she could be winning yeah it, it's so like it, to me i think that we often push back on the idea of needing a cool down or like like I think it's pretty evident that the winner oftentimes is just there consistently and in your face, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like a Ben or something like that is just, I, I believe he is CP every episode except one where he's over the top positive five or something <laughs> like that. Like it's like some sort of obnoxious uh, row there. 
And like the idea that Ben needed a cooldown is is obviously absurd. But Shan, it's so weird because like, what are they doing with Shan? Like Shan is everywhere and clearly presented as significantly better. Like if you were to say that Shan was like an alien or robot manufactured to be amazing at Survivor, I think you'd buy that, right? Like. It's just everything <laughs> she does works. Mm-hmm. Everything she does is shown with no qualms about it at all. Like, we got a little bit of Ricard. Like, I think we are seeing a Ricard and Shan rivalry. I think that's important to note. Yeah. Is last week, um, I believe it's last week, uh, when Ricard says something along the lines of, like, will she just pick already? Like, tell me where you're voting. Like, it's not that hard, Shan. Get over it. Like, that's stuff that's not good for Shan. The indecisiveness... But even in those moments, then Shan gets to talk about her life story and how she had to pick between her parents and her parents this week. Um, like, there's always more gravitas behind her decisions that we get to see. Early, she says, I'm not a villain, I'm an assassin. Like, there's never any negativity either, really. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd expect, I think, Shan to be more villainous. It's like, what if Russell Hans was presented positively as Shan, right? Yeah. Like wholesomely and like, yeah, very in control of the game, but it's presented with us to very much like her and like that she's controlling the game as opposed to, I mean, a lot of people liked Russell and what he brought to the game, but it was not because he was like an endearing, nice person, you know, like, you know what it is? It's what if Russell, like, I think the, the, the prototypical Russell confessional that says everything you need to know is him getting everybody to cry for him about his dog who died in Hurricane Katrina. And then the Russell thing is it flashes to a confessional being like, ah, these these fools believe that I am my dog dad, but my, I don't even have a dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where Shan, it's like minor criticism happens. And it's like, well, the reason for my imperfect decision here is uh, this inspiring story about how my uh, about my upbringing and I'm going to use that to be an advantage moving forward. It's like, what if Russell's dog actually did die in Katrina? And all the stuff he lied about was actually the truth. What if he was actually a Bible-thumping, um, super considerate guy whose dog died in Katrina and mm-hmm. he helped rebuild the city? Like, what if all that stuff was true is Shan? Yeah, it's like, yeah, they're flip-flopped. As opposed to, you know, it's like the game, for one of them, the game informs who they are, as opposed to, like, who they are informs the game. Yeah, no, that's actually a really, really good read. Um, And with that, I mean, like, like Shan's gonna be one of my favorite Survivor players of all time. Um, and I, like, the, the fear it gives me to not put her number one, it's like the fear of God, like, because how, <laughs> how foolish will I feel, rather, by, I gotta stick up for what I actually view happening, and I do think that the story is about how Shan either loses in the end, or, I think more likely, how somebody takes her down. How somebody, yeah. like, the issue with Shan is, and I'm gonna... Let me know if this is if this makes sense. My, this take. So one of our themes we have highlighted here is this idea of having to never give up, um, discipline, dedication. Only way to fail is not giving up, and like the whole idea of training every day, right? That Nasir says. Mm-hmm. Shan showed up as a ten out of ten survivor player. The issue is, I think this season's about how you grow into one. 
and Shan's got nowhere to grow. And that, to me, is the fundamental issue for Shan in 2021 on Survivor 41, is that Shan showed up great. And this is a story, to me, about how somebody rises to greatness. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I like that read for this season. I, I just think I've been burned by that read so many times. I mean, this is definitely the right time for it, I think, is when you're getting presented with this new era stuff. And, and I think also the idea of presenting someone who's so clearly an obstacle like lends to that but i think in the face of that i'm scared to then be wrong on shan sort of like you said earlier no and it's it's spooky (laughs) right because one way that and i've seen this this thought process brought up right is like though we haven't had a woman winner since sarah Mm -hmm. uh we haven't had um a black woman winner since Vesepia, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, 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 that's a long time. And what happens if your season, it, like, after a brutal pandemic and she's the best confessionalist on the cast and she's the best player on the cast, she has her own song, what if she wins? You have no choice but to do this. Exact, yeah. tre- exact treatment, right? And like a, Another consideration is, like, the amount of tribals it was went to. Like, mm-hmm. she has to be a friend center character for that. Especially when she's being put into the position of making the decision, like, three times in a row now. It's been, like, Brad versus JD, and then JD versus Jeannie, and then Jeannie versus Ricard, and so... Even uh, Ricard versus Sarah, right? Mm-hmm. Or To some extent. She got put in, like, the middle of it all. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's like, yeah, like, what happens if the winner is also the best character, the most important character, goes to the most tribals, is the only voice that matters at those tribals and is just a absolute rock star of a character like mm-hmm. you know sometimes you have to just show show her that way and you know sometimes the best person just wins and that's it you know what i mean like i think we kind of saw that with tommy it's just like sometimes the people just face no obstacles and have a fairly easy run to the end um mm-hmm. and part of it is like I said, I'm curious in like a casual opinion because I think we get we so know what to look for now that things that wouldn't stick out to other people stick out to us. And so what we're seeing is so obvious, may not be so obvious. <laughs> and therefore, I don't want to just discredit stuff that looks so obvious to us because the show is not made specifically for our type of viewing. It's made yeah. for a more general viewing where millions of people are just watching this to fill their Wednesday night. And right. So... And I do try to be cognizant of that. To me, that's actually a good case for it being... A story of how she gets toppled. I just think that you see a little bit too much of... Like, I don't think an edit can be too good. I think that narrative is bad. Like, Mm -hmm. the idea... Like, I think you see that sometimes. Like, oh, what if it's too good? And, you know, it's a whole lot easier to pick who doesn't win. Because 17 people don't win and one person does. Um, I think it's more like... I just... Maybe this looks a little bit different. Like, I think that I could see a world where Shannon actually leaves kind of early... And in a world post game Game of Thrones, people kind of want to see lovable characters die. Mm-hmm. And Shan, I think, reads a little bit too much like somebody who you'd be gutted to see leave, but really appreciate your time with them and be able to be shocked that they were able to be toppled. I just, I think she looks a little bit too much like an obstacle. But that said, we 
like the patented uh, survivor strategy recently does seem to be dumping their biggest episode right before the merge, right? Like Wendell's scene where he wishes his girlfriend happy birthday. That was right before the merge. Uh, like that does seem to be their thing lately. Mm-hmm. And she got by far the best recap video we've gotten. I think. Yeah. Like I, was, I, I'm like a robot, and I was. Like my eyes were wet, Joe. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's tough. Like I have her number four, mostly because I'm buying into the idea of uh her being the obstacle. Mm-hmm. Really, just... at this point, it's two different ways of looking at how the season goes from here, and how you're viewing it is going to change how you feel about really Shan specifically. Like no. that said, you're... I mean, to me, it's like I'm giving Shan what I'm giving her effect like 50% of the win equity and then the other people have like those other three in Liana, Nasir, and uh, Tiffany have like their own pocket like the rest of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like maybe I guess my math's kind of wrong but maybe she has 25 and then they each have like they each have like 26 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Well, however that math works out, um, it's just like it's it's Shan or one of these three is how I'm viewing it. And realistically, I think percentage wise, that means I should probably put Shan number one. But I think I'm trying to make a statement by saying she's not number one for me. I think it's more likely she's obstacle than winner. And mm-hmm. that to me means I need to consider these other folks. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, hopefully that makes sense. Uh, and I, I realistically, I could see her being a losing finalist. That'd be a lot harder to sell me on than Idle Note or the biggest move of the season, Cough Cough Liana, happens to her. Yeah. I think it's more of like she, she might be an Icarus style burns too bright situation. Mm-hmm. She could be a, like our Christian. Yeah. She's our Christian. I think it would be where I'm going, but I mean, Christians are Shan. Move over, <laughs> Christian. You're old news. Shan is a better character. Like, Shan is way more visible. Shan is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Shan is everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say it got a little closer after this episode, honestly. Like, I think Liana and Nasir had really great episodes, but Shan still is at the top. I mean, this was obviously a good episode for her. and It really was. It doesn't change the fact that she's had good episodes before it, so. Yeah, and like, as, as, you know, uh, it's a new era. Maybe it's just, let's just show this amazing, amazing person, right? Um, and, I mean, not not for nothing, like, I can't get over how good her manipulation was of Jeannie. Also, she hasn't, she hasn't got a vote yet. Mm-hmm. Like, how? You're on a tribe of three! <laughs> and, like, this is why Shan is the number one reason why I will always fight people who are, like, just play it chill for the first half. I'm like, Shan is clearly playing the hardest. She's the one who doesn't have a vote. Mm-hmm. If you're good, there's no such thing as playing too hard too fast. Um, yeah, but lots of people aren't as good. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, yeah, that, that's the caveat, right? Is if, if you're not good, you can very easily play too hard too fast. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the thing. If you have the skills, play them. If not, maybe, maybe like, you might your, need, yeah, your best be shot is, to, is yeah. to pull it back a little. Yeah, like, if you're, like, a terrible survivor player, like go lay down in the woods and never be seen, right? Like, <laughs> like that's that's your strategy. But otherwise, I think you should actually try to win friends, influence people, because Jeannie is like so convinced Shan's with her. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't matter that she sees Shan as a threat. She thinks she has one over on Shan. She doesn't. Bye. Um, speaking of Jeannie, Rip Queen. Uh, the fact that she didn't roll that dice thing and nobody has makes me wonder if 
that risk story is about how scary taking risks is because it's in a way submitting defeat. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's a, an interesting read on it. Yeah, it's like, why why wouldn't you roll it? Like, your one vote does not matter if the person hey! voting with you is not voting with you. <laughs> yeah, right? You're literally either going home or nothing. Like, and so, like, for Shannon Ricard to be able to trick Jeannie this hard, poor mm-hmm. girl. Yeah, and to not take the idol that she found, like, yeah. bummer. Yeah, like, I, I feel bad for Jeannie, but in the way that Xander wants Tiffany to pity her, that's where it comes from, right? It's like, like there's so many early boots of Survivor that I'm sure are watching the TV show and are like, oh my god, I wish I could have found an idol and had a one in six chance at staying. I could have been a good player if I just got out of this one really unlucky spot. Like, a James Lim is where my brain goes, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, amazing player pulls off an amazing move gets just swap screwed and away with a stupid twist a stupid swap that doesn't make any sense and just leaves and there's nothing he can do i'm sure he would have killed to find an idol on the ground and also have a one in six chance at, at staying genie does neither genie actively throws her own <laughs> game so it's hard to feel that bad you know, yeah. like, hope she had fun, but, like, there's 40 seasons of people, and probably half those pre-merged boots were actually pretty capable players that could have been pretty interesting. And they didn't get the chance to find an idol and a one in six shot at saving themselves. Yeah, I think Genie's the type of person we talk about when we're like, you might not have the, the top-notch skills to get there, so do lay back a bit. But even that's not going to save you if your tribe gets down to three people. And yeah. Yeah. No, so. Genie is the perfect example, right? Like, Ricard and Shin play hard. Genie was underplaying, was not trying to win friends and influence people. And now she's she's gone. Like, you got to be scheming. You got to be plotting. You got to be trying to get people on your side. At the end of the day, this is a game about relationships. And Genie did not have them. Um, She thought she did, but she just didn't have, like, a nuanced game relationship. I, I mean, I think it could have worked out better for her had there not been so many tribals but you're right that's right. not a guarantee so yeah but like i don't know maybe maybe she swaps and it's the same situation you know what i mean like there's at the end of the day you need to be able to have the people you're with pick you over other people is the foundation of the game right mm. and uh, like yeah genie wasn't able to do that um and she had a bailout you know what i mean like not for nothing like i feel like people like ben and rick devins get a lot of shade for like basically just barreling their way to the end at least they played the things they found mm-hmm. like you can give ben i think a lot of credit for yeah sure finding them in his sleeping location but at least he played the thing at the right time yeah especially a tribe of three <laughs> like if you think there's a a chance you're leaving if you go, why are you giving the idol to your tribe? Like, I'm sorry, this is I, I truly, Joe, think this is one of the worst played rounds in the history of Survivor. <laughs> like, it might be number one. Like, this might be worse than Eric giving up the necklace. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not good, but I think you could also see it coming. Like, it's just not Jeannie's really type of play. Like, I think Jeannie really saw her best ways to be, like, be the loyalist, as it's called, and, like, hope that one of them saw it more useful to keep her than to... See, what she could have done, theoretically, is grab the idol and say, I'll use this for the team. Then there's a reason to keep you, not Mm -hmm. lie to you in the middle of the woods. 
like granted that was awesome and that was like a lot layer of duplicity that you don't see often but like uh like i i think i i think i'm standing by i think this is at least a top fiver for worst <laughs> of all time move like you were just blindsided two rounds ago like this was two again to reaffirm these things are happening like on a daily basis it seems like two days ago you were like threatening to never touch the fire again and you felt super betrayed how is this much change that you give the team the idol <laughs> no she wasn't giving them the idol they were just letting it sit in case the other tribes found it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's very tricky i get it i could see myself in the same position honestly but i also think unfortunately for genie and this is again kind of a liana situation where i'm gonna be a little bit condescending but i think unfortunately for genie she did get put on a tribe with the two best players on the cast like i think ricard and shan are outstanding players from what we've seen like i really think these are like two s tier i would like to see them play again legend level strategists mm -hmm. and then you know genie's just like she's happy to be there and they are trying to be the best players of all time like you know that shan doesn't just want to win shan wants to be the best player to ever play same with ricard he wants to be the best strategist of all time and then it's like, geez, like, I got cast. Woohoo. You know, like, maybe if she was on Luvu, she'd, she'd be doing a little bit better. <laughs> well, yeah, if you don't lose. Yeah, like, right, like, like, Heather is going to outplace Jeannie by a lot. <laughs> and, like, if Jeannie's just switched with Heather, like, Jeannie could have won. <laughs> Sometimes you get put with the Brainiacs who can't win a challenge mm -hmm. and will vote you out instead of the buff professional athletes who will just yeah. ditch, you, ditch you eventually, you know? But, yeah. Rip Genie. Mm -hmm. The machine is over. Out of out of juice. Out of order. Out of order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought she was pretty fun. Like I, I did like her in this mm -hmm. episode. Um yeah, Rip Genie. Uh, the biggest thing for me is, like, from this, Joe, do you think our other flashbacks... Like, okay, so we, we get Shan's flashback, actually, in this episode, right? Mm -hmm. So far, the flashbacks have been a bad sign in terms of leaving. Do we think we're going to get more after this? Slash, do we think that it's more of a coincidence that a lot of the people with flashbacks have left? I think it's more of a coincidence. I think it really helped get our hooks into Ua, which was decimated by seeing these little bits from Brad, JD, and Jeannie. Um, um, yeah, I think, especially looking at the two left are Tiffany and Ricard, who I don't think are going anywhere soon. I think it's just more coincidence. And I think we might see a few more here and there. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see one from Liana still. I'm still waiting. Evie as well. So I think we're getting more. I think almost mm. the entire Lulu tribe is going to get them. Like, huh. like, only Deshaun, I think... Nasir has one. And Nasir, well. yeah. Nasir and Nasir. I think, yeah, I think everybody's going to get one, basically. Mm. Almost. Like, I think we're going to get I, a whole lot more. I don't think everyone's going to get one. Interesting, interesting. Speaking of which, Joe, next boot, who is it? It's going to be Sydney. <sighs> it's her time. I'm going with Erica. And hopefully it's a double boot. And then we'll have the 4-4-2 Yasa Luvu Ua split. That was oh, yeah. foretold. So. That would be really fun. Um, yeah, I can't no, wait. For sure. We need to ready our Reddit posting. Like the minute they're voted out, be like, fun fact, the try yeah. makeups match the number of letters in each try. Imagine that actually happens and we called it. Like, <laughs> oh, that'd be good. That'd be juicy. Like, uh, 
I know for one, I'm not going to post it, but I'm going to be watching to see like which one of our listeners got it real quick and taking all that sweet, sweet karma. So no, no, for real, for real. Um, and I guess that brings us to the winners. I think we've kind of hinted where we're at. I've probably been a little bit more explicit than you. Taking up number. Four. Uh, I only have four on my chart this week. I have Shan at three. I have your boy Nasir. Um, he's fluctuated quite a bit on my list, but I have him below my other two here. Mostly these three are fairly interchangeable. Um, number two, I have Tiffany. Uh, and number one is Liana, who, uh, is there for the second week in a row. Hmm. My top three hasn't changed for now three weeks, but Nasir has re-entered at third. I, this was a really great episode and, and reconfirmed the storyline that could be there. Liana's in number two. I mean, we were definitely told she's an important character, but... Is she just someone who makes it a while with her now new duo and Shan, who is my number one, still has this monster of a great edit. And I think I still see it as maybe just a really strong edit that we can see through to the end. So Right. Get- and I do think that we talked a lot about what if Liana takes out Shan. But like, if you told me that Liana was the losing finalist to Shan, I would not be particularly surprised. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally get where you're coming from there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I would say between the three of them, it's a bit closer than it was in past weeks, but still that very distinct order. Would you take Joe? Would you take these three over the rest of the players combined? Oh, easily. Like. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe double. <laughs> okay. What about take out Nasir, Shannon, Liana against the field? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's close there. I would not take Liana and Tiffany over the field. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would take my top... Four. I would be really surprised if it's somebody other than Liana, Nisir, Tiffany, or Shan. I would actually be shocked at this point. Yeah, I'm definitely at that point. But and then, yeah, you can cut out Tiffany as well. Rip. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, everybody else just it doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, that's our show. Thanks so much for, uh, tuning in. Uh, I have really enjoyed, I've been getting more, like, ats on Twitter and Reddit than ever before. I do appreciate all those. I always read those, uh, comment threads. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us at thewinneredit at gmail.com. New episode Saturday, Sundays every week. Um, I always have a blast doing the show, so I'm really glad that we're getting a lot of positive feedback. Uh, mm-hmm. thanks. For... Yeah, it's been a great season to come back to you and also just watch. Uh, Other than that one episode, when we, I meant like watching the edit theory theorizing happen. Like it, it seems very obvious, but then people are always looking for the alternatives, which is fun, and like always yeah. finding little bits here and there. And it's been an interesting one for complex tribe theory. So yeah, I'm hoping it stays that way, and there's no dearth of episode or there's no bevy of episode threes after this somewhere in the season yeah like uh, yeah i mean sometimes great seasons just have like one terrible episode mm-hmm. and yeah so hopefully there's no more and farewell everybody see you later